I want to let you know that we have a second show added in Atlanta, Georgia. That's on April 5th. That's right. We also have uh, shows at Amherst and Brisbane in the Australia. All those are available now. Theovon.com slash T-O-U-R. And only get tickets through Theovon.com slash T-O-U-R. If tickets are overpriced uh, via a second site or something, don't buy them from scalpers. Just wait. We'll come back around sometime. Um, Yeah, that's the best way to do it. And thank you guys for the support. And if we're not coming to your city or country yet, then just give it time. We will do our best. And uh, we love you guys. And thank you so much for the support. Amen. Today's guest is a professional pitcher. For more than 10 years in Major League Baseball, Um, he was the winner of the Golden Spikes Award in college for the best collegiate baseball player of the year. Um, He's won the Cy Young. He's been an all-star. He's recently played in Japan because of some interesting circumstances. Um, I'm really grateful to learn about what the past few years of his life have been like and to get to know him. Uh, Today's guest is Mr. Trevor Bauer. SM7 SM7 yeah okay I know these mics yeah you know a lot about this this uh these stuff you know more than I do okay yeah <laughs> I got into <laughs> photography back in 2017 started learning about it and then started the media company momentum in 2019 so I had to you know buy cameras and lenses and figure all this stuff out so I learned about it. Your tripods are in a lot nicer condition than ours. We put them in the cage where like baseballs are flying. So the legs are all bent and broken. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Thanks dude. Yeah. I I could probably learn from you. I could literally probably go watch, uh, one of your YouTube videos and learn more about our own equipment. So maybe I should do that. (laughs) Um, do you like to know everything about stuff? Kind of like, like, well, I guess if you're starting your own media company, if you because you have your own YouTube channel, yeah, yeah, you like it. It's good. I yeah. enjoy it. Um, started it to try to entertain baseball fans. Um, so that's what we try to do. I think we do a pretty good job. We can do better. We're always trying to get better. But yeah, it's fun. I, that's what I enjoy doing. So yeah, going to work every day and try to make some some sort of fun content to entertain people. Yeah, I saw some videos on there. You were having fun with some of the Japanese players because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting because they don't speak the same language. So the same the, the type of you know banter back and forth that you'd normally have, you can't really have. So you, the banter becomes a little bit more like body language and facial expression. So it was, a, it was a challenge to like get that there, but it's also fun. You know, it's like a new yeah. experience. And like baseball is kind of a universal language, so yeah. they kind of understood and I understood. It was it was a cool experience. Yeah, it's fun when you don't speak the same because even you just have to make a look or do something with your hands. Like yeah. everybody everybody's like a mime all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. The um, uh, the kind of subtle cues of human behavior become more important. The yeah. the facial expressions, the body language, the like, you know, pauses, you know, stuff like that. 
And the, the I love the moment when you and another person who speak a different language realize neither one of you knows how to <laughs> say what you want to say. Yeah. So the side of it just like yeah, it you get just, to that moment, you're like, oh, okay. Uh, you just kind of maybe nod. I should uh, thank you for your time and <laughs> try somewhere else. Um, and you were playing in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hajime yeah. Mashte. Have you ever heard that? What is it? Hajime 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 Mashte. I'm sure I heard it. I don't. <laughs> I think it's. I think it means our friendship begins. Can you look it up, Nick? Just if you get a chance. I one time got to go to Japan. I was a student on the sinkhole semester at sea, and so we you would go on a cruise ship, and um, it was in college, and you, you would go to different countries around the world. That's cool. Um, our friendship begins. Oh, watashitashi no yam yamihar masu. Okay, so a little off, a little <laughs> off, right? Um, but we got to go, um, and I worked like in the bookstore on this cruise ship or this school is a floating u- university called Semester at Sea. That's cool. And yeah, it was pretty exceptional. And um, we got to go on, we went to Kobe or Osaka. Yeah. And then we got to go on a homestay where you would go and stay with a oh, family for a couple nights. Was that down in Osaka too? Yeah. Okay. Osaka's and, a cool area. Is it? Yeah. Uh, the beef there is incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, we played there a couple different times throughout the year. And um, there's a hotel that, like, all the NPB teams stay at because they serve, like, the dinner and stuff there is, like, Kobe beef and, like, specialized to Osaka area. Mm. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And, uh, yeah, because that Wagyu beef that came out of there, right, yeah. out of Japan? Where's that from? Bring it up, Nick. Um, yeah, that Wagyu beef and everybody's, like, Wag, like three years ago, people started going crazy. What is Wagyu beef? A Japanese beef cattle derived from native Asian cattle. Wagyu refers to all Japanese beef cattle, where wa means Japanese and gu means cow. Wow. Wagyu were originally draft animals used in agriculture and were selected for their physical endurance. Wow, so they picked some real gangster meat, you know? Uh, it's the fatty, it's the intermuscular fat cells marbling. So it's, uh, you get that um, really rich mm. texture. God, I want that. <laughs> you know, it's delicious. Yeah. Maybe not be the best thing for you for like an athlete, but it's uh, taste wise, it's really hard to beat. And uh, when you say NPB, what is the teams in, Jap- in Japan called? Oh. So there's 12 teams um, Nippon Professional Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, that, so NPB, just like Major League Baseball. Um, there's two leagues, there's Pacific League, Central League, six teams in each. Um, you got different team names like the, you know, the Bay Stars, Giants, um, Tigers, stuff like that. So everyone, it's kind of similar to MLB, just smaller, uh, you know, not as many teams. And how, uh, how was your team? We were good. We made playoffs. Um, unfortunately we lost our first two game of playoffs and got eliminated. Um, but, uh, no, we had a good we had a good team. A lot of talented guys, um, a lot of funny guys. They they were super welcoming too, which was which was great. Um, I mean, the organization as a whole, making sure that foreign players have translators around, even down to like, hey, what kind of food do you guys like? Um, trying to have that in the meal spreads. Um, Just welcoming housing, culture. yeah, yeah. And Japan, I mean, if you've been there, you know, like, it's super clean. The people are super polite, super nice. Like, it, culturally, it's, it's very different than the United States in a lot of different ways. And that was one of the things that really stood out is, like, how 
nice the yeah. people are. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. On the homestay that I went on, so you you got to go stay with a family for a couple nights. Yeah. So I show up over there. Uh, I they speak Japanese. I'm I barely speak English, right? And so <laughs> we're just like, dude. It's so it's like real quiet. And they made like a little meal for me. Yeah. And uh, we just sat around this little table on the floor and ate. Did you? So did you have to sit on the floor? Yeah, I think they might yeah. have put some wick, like a thin yeah. mat. Yeah. And we sat there, and then. Um, I guess when I walked in, I gave the lady just a hug and a kiss just on the cheek. Yeah. Just kind of how I am. Mm -hmm. um, and throughout the next couple of days, she would have her friends come over uh. just so I would <laughs> hug and kiss them on the cheek. She'd be like, cool. Linda, Linda. And, and like the doorbell would ring and, and, I'd, and she'd be like, do it. You know, and so I have to, and she just kept having friends come. So I would give them, That's I cool. think they just thought it was interesting. And then they let me sleep in their room, I think like, and I think they slept in the wall or something. Mm. I swear they're like, they stood up and like in the wall all night and just didn't sleep. That's crazy. So I could sleep. Like yeah. it's just a lot of um I don't know if it's like sacrifice or just extreme respect. I don't know. What do you feel like it is? Yeah. You don't try you don't try to explain respect, kinda? deference. Um they so they they what I've what I learned, and I, I could be wrong about this. This yeah. is just what I've been told and explained, because obviously I didn't grow up there and all that stuff, but um, they care a lot about the good of like the group mm -hmm. as opposed like over the good of the individual. Yeah. So if the individual needs to sacrifice something to make the group environment better, the individual is expected or, or used to offering to sacrifice. So it makes sense. Like if you have a guest in your house and they could be more comfortable sleeping on the bed and you can spend a couple nights not sleeping on the bed. I can totally see how that would be, how that would be a thing. Yeah. It was um, baffling, man. I was just, it was like. I felt so respected. Yeah. It it was it was pretty fascinating. I had a similar experience. I you know, they were so respectful that I was like, no, 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 I'm I'm no better than you guys. Like I'm just another like we can just be person to person here. And it's not that I'm like above you or something. I almost felt like I was viewed as being above other people. And mm. I don't like that. I yeah. just like I just like to like I'm not better than you or anyone else. I'm just another normal person. Let's just like interact on a fair playing field, level playing field here. Yeah. Um, I don't like being like looked down on by people and I don't like being put on a pedestal by people. And I know they didn't do it intentionally, but it almost felt like half the time the interactions that I did have with people, even just, you know, fans out in, in the community, taxi drivers, uh, waitresses, um, hosts, stuff like that. I almost felt like I was on a pedestal and it was a little uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool like that they... And there is that respect and there is that like deference to the other person. Um, yeah, they're almost excited. They're almost so excited to like yeah. respect you. Yeah. Or to show you how respectful yeah. they can be. Like, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um wow, what a what a what a uh interesting experience just to get to go in and and be there. And, yeah. Like, how was it overall? It was great. Um, I've always wanted to do that. Um so I had an experience in two thousand nine. Um played on collegiate team USA mm -hmm. and we had a five game series against the collegiate Japan team. And so we played over in Japan, no. played at like five different stadiums. We were there for, I think 12 days. They were packing stadiums, like 40,000 people for a college baseball game. Now I'm coming from West coast baseball, which doesn't have the type of fan following as like the SEC does. We, we draw like some nights, 50 people to a game, some nights, like a couple hundred people at UCLA. And I'm going to this, stadium this professional stadium the tokyo dome and there's 
40,000 people or something in the Tokyo Dome for a college baseball game. It was crazy. And I, I remember in 2009 saying, like, I got to, before my career is done, I'm going to play baseball in Japan. I'm going to experience this because the fan culture is so crazy there. It's like European soccer. Mm -hmm. There's like packed and chanting and the passion and everything like oh, that. Wow, look but at these like, images. For a baseball game, bands playing nonstop. Like, I mean, that was college ball. That was college ball. As you know, the Japanese style, they had a band for the Japanese team, but they also provided a band for the American team. So we had a band playing for us, even though we were the visiting team, which is That's which the is, most Japanese thing yeah, ever. It was it was awesome. Um so yeah, I've always wanted to do it. I you know was happy to have the opportunity to do that. Um the travel is different, the the baseball, even like the technical little details of the game, like the way it's played, what's emphasized is different fan culture like it's it was such a great experience um the food i'm a huge sushi fan so like the first time i went in 2009 i didn't have sushi and it was because i didn't have a translator with me and i didn't know what i was ordering and i had heard back then that if there's certain types of fish that if you eat it and it's not cut right you can die like puffer fish or something oh yeah i heard that rumor going yeah. around too people were saying that in our neighborhood and shit i'm like dude none of us are going to eat any puffer fish dude. We can't, you know what i'm saying <laughs> but like, i couldn't tell what it was on the menu because i didn't read you know google translate didn't exist back then in 2009 yeah. so i didn't have sushi and that was one of my regrets so i ate a lot of sushi this past year yeah, <laughs> to make yeah, up for it yeah, <laughs> yeah dude i remember people like bro can't have any puffer fish man if it ain't cut right you could die and i'm like dude we could fucking we're we're lucky to split a jimmy john tomorrow <laughs> like let's be real like nobody's bringing puffer fish into our yeah. neighborhood dude <laughs> like some people are just obtuse man yeah um so i want to know like how you kind of started in baseball because like uh, like uh, i i think everybody kind of like there's this like ambiance in the universe, like there's a lot of information in the world about how you ended up like having to go to Japan or one yeah. of the, you know, like the, some of the overall reasons because you weren't allowed back in major league baseball. Yeah. But how did you like get into baseball? Like, like when you were like, who brought it to you first? Like what brought it, what I brought baseball to you? I think like my earliest memory of baseball is I had this little plastic bat called fat bat. It was mm -hmm. maybe a foot and a half long, had a you know big old barrel of plastic bat, wiffle ball bat. And I remember being out in the front yard at my house and my dad would toss me a wiffle ball and I would, you know, I would hit the ball and run around the yard. And um, we had this little like uh, brick wall that was maybe like, you know, one cinder block or two cinder blocks high. So I'd always try to hit the ball over that for a home run. So I must have been two years old or something at that point. Um, I think I was always just drawn to it. I always wanted to, you know, like when I was growing up, what I wanted to go do was play baseball, practice baseball. I was always out in the front yard playing pickle or three flies you're up with some of the neighborhood kids. You know, some people go out and play basketball or football or whatever. Yeah. Like we played baseball on my block. So, And where was that at? Where were you guys living? I was up in Valencia. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, in California. Um, What's it like there? What's Valencia like? Dude, there's tumbleweeds when we moved out there. No. Uh, like open plots, and um, now it's all malls and shopping centers and stuff like that. But really nice community, lots of trees, but like planned uh, neighborhoods and stuff. So we actually lived uh, maybe like a five-minute bike ride from uh, one of the public parks up there. So when I was growing up, I'd just ride my bike with a bucket of baseballs up to the park safe community everyone you, know, you just run around it was a different world back then i'm 33 now so i'm talking you know 30 years ago i'd be up and down the paseos and out all day and um yeah i i love valencia um 
parents still live there. I still go back all the time. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. So you get out there and ball. You so and that was just the sport that you kind of took to. Yeah, I played soccer. Um, I guess or football, depending on where you are in the world. Um, but uh, played that until high school. Um, but when I got to high school, I was in like AP classes and playing baseball and I didn't have time for soccer and I was always just much more drawn to baseball anyway. So yeah, never really played any other sports, just been baseball pretty much my whole life. Did you collect the cards too? Uh, I collected baseballs and autographs more than cards. So my dad and I would go to spring training every year. We'd make the drive. It's like six hours from LA to, to Arizona. For, oh, for the Diamondbacks? Uh, Diamondbacks. There's a bunch of people out there. Diamondbacks. Um, I mean, I, shoot, I remember when they just put the Royals and the Rangers facility out there and they started moving in, but the Oakland A's, Cubs have been out there forever. Brewers, like a whole bunch of teams. I think there's 15 or 16 teams out in spring training in Arizona oh, now. Here we go right here. You have White Sox, A's, yeah. Giants. Wow, some great teams. Yeah. Um, did you ever get to see Mark Grace out there? Um, no, I don't remember if I saw Mark Grace, but uh, I remember when Ichiro came over, I guess kind of drawing the Japanese connection. But I remember when like Ichiro first came to the Mariners, and we're like, oh, there's this like new guy from Japan that's supposed to be really good, and it's this kind of sensation. And then uh, I remember standing there with a the ball outside of the fence at spring training, like Ichiro, Ichiro, trying to get a, a an autograph. Um, and then he went on to be like just the best hitter that's ever lived yeah. or something, you know. <laughs> and we had no idea that he's going to be that successful. But I remember being a little kid and just standing there at spring training watching the guys. Did he I, sign the ball? I don't think. I think he was. Um, I think he was off to another field or something. Dang. I don't remember. We, if we, we had to know. I, we had to know. That's why. I asked. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was your world. And so you, and then you just became good at it. Like, like, did you love, did you just love practicing it so much? Like how did it? Yeah. I love practicing. I love, I just like doing anything baseball related. So I was always thinking about it. I was always out playing it. So I think I developed some skills that way. And I was always like good ish, but I was never the best guy. Uh, I never made like the best tournament team or the best all-star team. Oh, wow. Even in my freshman year of high school, I was like not the, the ace pitcher. Um, but I also love like math and physics. Uh -huh. And I took a class in ninth grade with a guy, Martin Kirby, as a uh, physics class. Newtonian. Martin Kirby? Martin Kirby's a British guy. Okay. So he had this accent and like he made class really, really Martin fun. Kirby. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Yeah, the Brits, dude. You yeah. just fucking believe them, you know. Yeah. You know they go home and drink, but still. <laughs> he had a he had a picture. Um, so he used to be a smoker actually, yeah. and he quit cold turkey one day, but he put two packs of cigarettes in his mouth, lit them all at the same time. So he had that picture on the wall, like just him with two packs of cigarettes in his mouth. <laughs> and he said he like got so sick after that that he just never wanted to smoke again. Damn. But yeah, he's a he's it was such a fun class, and I started learning about like physics and how leverage works and velocity and energy transfer and momentum and all that. And I started trying to take class and apply it to baseball. And at the same time, I went down to a training facility in Texas, actually, for the first time. It's a Texas baseball ranch. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about some of the same concepts, momentum and um, energy transfer and whip and all this different stuff. And so I that was really when I started my like my true devoted like baseball development where I was trying to take academics and apply it to baseball and use the scientific method to like get myself better. Oh damn! So you brought some real homeschool energy to that yeah. deal, man. I yeah. mean, that's but so so that was something that like that took a 
once that got added in, like this other kind of world of it that you could start to see while you were doing it and stuff and equate, yeah. then you really, I really kind of lit that's, you up. That's when it took off. Oh, that's wow, how my brain works too. Cause I like, I need to have something that I'm chasing mm -hmm. some like, I'm here. I want to go there. I need to plot a course. And like, am I getting closer to my target or not? Like that's how my brain works. So as soon as I had, like I knew I always wanted to play in college. That was mm -hmm. my goal. I never, well, my goal growing up was just to play on the high school team. And once I made my freshman team, I was like, okay, I want to play in college. And that was really when my development was starting. So I was like, okay, I want to get to college. I'm currently a freshman in high school. I'm throw this hard. I have this pitch. I have this command, whatever. Like I need to improve these skill sets. And so then I would wake up in the morning at like 5.30, three times a week and go to the YMCA and do like pool workouts. I love the school. YMCA, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. We had a membership there. I used to lift there and uh, spent a lot of time there as a kid. I always love it. It just makes me feel like just part of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Yeah. So you would go there and you would, uh, you would just train, practice, get ready. I'd do that, yeah, prior to school. And I'd go do school, go straight to practice after school. We'd get done at 4 35 o'clock, go home, do some homework, and eat. And then usually, like, seven or eight o'clock, I'd go up to the local park and I'd be there for an extra three hours Damn. doing whatever workout I was doing or throwing or videoing myself or whatever, you know, trying to trying to find some way to get better. And that's just what I – I didn't really, like, do anything else. I didn't have interest in anything else. Did you have a lot of friends? Like, did you have a social world or you just no. really – did you – and was that kind of a choice you think you made or you just kind of get locked in on something and, and you – because a lot of people that have become great at something, there's, there's sacrifices to it. Yeah. People don't realize that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it was partially that – what I wanted to do was baseball. So given the choice of going to the mall to hang out on a Friday yeah. afternoon or going and doing baseball, like I was naturally gravitated towards baseball. Also, like I, I'm not really the most like social person. Like a lot of my social interactions I learned a little later in life, starting college and pro ball and stuff. I just didn't, I viewed things differently as a kid. I was kind of different. I dressed differently. I thought about different stuff. My sense of humor was different than the normal kids. So I struggled. I struggled socially um, in high school. All, you know, junior high all the way up into high school. I didn't have a, a large peer group. Um, you know, I was kind of. I was part of two different groups. I was like part of the athlete group, right? But I didn't fit in with them because I was also a nerd. Oh yeah. And I didn't really fit in with the nerds because I was a jock. And so I kind of got pickled between both of those where I didn't really have a group that I fit in with. Like Clark Kent almost <laughs> in a way, you know, I mean, it's no, just, not, it's, not quite as, uh, uh, as super, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, you would turn out to be, Oh, here you are yeah. right there. Yeah. You go, Trevor in this throwback to when the Astros didn't have to cheat to win. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> oh, that's cool, dude. Does that, does that kid look like, uh, someone that would fit in? So that's actually a uniform. Like I would wear my baseball like pants and uniform and stuff to school. And oh grade yeah. School. Then that's an so I got, yeah. I got picked on <laughs> a sure, lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also dude, if you slid in the fourth period, you were a fucking legend. I'll tell you that. You know? <laughs> if you're the only yeah. person that slides head first <laughs> into social studies, you yeah. fucking win as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by prize picks. If you like firing on sports, then prize picks is the app for you. Instead of choosing teams, you choose individual players. That's what I like about it. It's unique. Each player has a set projection, and you either choose more or less than that set projection. For example, you could choose Isaiah Pacheco more than 51 yards or Brock Purdy more than two touchdowns. That's right. 
Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app and my favorite place to fire on sports. If you're smart with sports and know what players are going to perform on what nights, then Prize Picks is the best app for you. Download the app and use code Theo. Prize Picks will match your deposit up to $100. Keeps, baby. You want to keep your hair, don't you? Yeah, you do. Even animals want to keep their hair. Everybody wants it. And if you're a husband or just a man or even a woman, you might want to keep your hair. And I don't blame you. I like keeping mine. That's for sure. Get expert care for hair loss from the comfort of your home without ever visiting a doctor's office or pharmacy. Keeps helped me. They can help you. All treatment plans are personalized to address your unique needs and recommended by a licensed medical provider. That's true. Keeps offers both of the FDA-approved hair loss treatment options, as well as a two-in-one gel that combines both treatments. To date, Keeps has helped nearly one million men keep their hair. Hair loss stops with Keeps. For a special offer to get started, go to keeps.com Theo, or click the link in the description. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash T-H-E-O. Um, wow. So you just loved it that much. It kind of became almost, or it seems like I'm just being judgmental, but um, like it became like a sense of pride that you had then. Yeah. Or like you identify, you really identified as like. I um, think it was my backstop. Like anything, anytime something would happen in life, if it was, you know, I was picked on or bullied or whatever in school, like I would go to the park and I would do baseball. Yeah. And, you know, if something was going good in my life, I was like, okay, like I'm excited. Like I'm going to go do baseball. I bonded with my family over, you know, on the weekends growing up, we'd have tournaments all the time. So you'd travel on Friday evening or Saturday morning, two or three hours away. You'd play four or five games in a couple of days. I was out there with my mom and my dad, my sister, my, you know, whoever was going sometimes, most, most of the time it was my dad. Sometimes my mom, sister would come along. So I have really good family relationships because of baseball. Mm. I have like, baseball's always kind of been my coping mechanism when something's going wrong i just go do baseball because that's what i know and like i'm good at it and i feel a sense of uh like accomplishment or progress towards a goal or something like that and it's Um, fluid to you it becomes part of your makeup and so you i'm gonna go get back to a good homeostasis no matter what's going on highs or lows yeah and i think exercise helps tends to help with that in general so because baseball is an active thing um i think i got kind of the benefits of both the exercise, but also that like centering of myself. Um, a lot of people have like video games that they go play or they go watch a Netflix show or something like that. Not saying those things are wrong, but I also think that baseball some is because it was something active. I got the physiological benefits of exercising too, which I think helps stabilize. Yeah. And why the pitching was the pitching. Cause you have a lot, you have some cool pitches, man. Yeah. Uh, I stayed up last night. I mean, actually really late. And then I couldn't sleep. I'm like eight days off nicotine right now. So oh, wow. I didn't know it was going to fat bro. It like will not let me sleep. Are you on like, you doing like patches or what's the, I'm on nothing dude. straight up. I'm on just light prayer and just doing my best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, but I didn't, I thought it was like three days. It's out of your system. dude. Yeah. It is like, haunting at night <laughs> until you're awake and you're like yeah. what should i do and then your brain's like maybe you should do some vaping <laughs> you're like what the fuck yeah. it like won't let you it's gone but it won't let you sleep and then it just starts to be like what about maybe a puff or two you, you think know? that's a you think that's like a physiological thing or do you think it's a mental thing like your mind wants it or do you think your body's craving it man it's a good question um 
some of it is a little bit of a bore. It's a it habitual, like it had become yeah. a boredom mm. thing. I, I don't have anything. I can't do anything else right now. Might as well do this. Mm. So maybe a little bit habitual. Uh, and I think my mind, yeah, my mind is like, oh, I'm frustrated. I want to be sleeping. I can't. What can I do uh, in frustration? Because a mm. lot of times I... If things were going good or bad, I would, vape became like a little bit of a yeah. habit I would use. Interesting. Um, it's interesting to think about, though. Yeah, because sometimes people just do things. They don't even start to think about why am I doing it, you mm -hmm. know? Like what inside of me is like beckoning me to this? I'll find myself walking down the street. Nothing happens. I like think that my phone vibrated. So I reach in my pocket and check it. I'm like, oh, no, no notification. Put it back in my pocket. No more than 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, someone just texted me. But, like, it's not vibrating. There's uh, nothing there. And it's just I'm so used to reaching for my phone because of text, call, social media, notification, like whatever you get programmed over the years to, to reach for your phone so much. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I yeah, I have the same type of experience with the habitual side of things. Yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, I've had some – I've made some poor – I mean, I had, like, pornography I got into pretty badly when I was, like, in my 20s. And that was a – uh, that was a bad habit. Um, vaping has been the tougher one as I have gotten older, but I don't drink or do drugs. So it's like, sometimes I give myself a little bit of a leeway, Yeah. but I just like my own energies better. I'm yeah. able to sit and have a more comfortable conversation with people. And so at a certain point, it's like, I have to give it up just because I'm missing out on, I'll be short with people. You know, yeah. I won't want to stay in a moment because I want to go vape, you know, just shit like that. You, you self-reflect a lot. On things, like, do you look at your own like behaviors and stuff, and like analyze yourself, or like how do you get that feedback? Yeah, I started doing that more. Yeah, you know, I've done like some ayahuasca over the years, and I bring oh, that wow. up a lot. But that plant medicine, that stuff is really interesting for exactly that. It helps me learn. Um, it's not as much time that I spend learning something, like say I'll read or write something, or or, or be in a class. But it's the time I go sit back with what I've written. Yeah, and be and and have um a relation have like a integration that's mm -hmm. what i'm learning is so much more crucial it's like because for so long i was like kind of learning and getting some getting information but a lot of things weren't sticking because mm -hmm. the big part i was missing out on was integration interesting you know and so yeah. i think that's where some of that comes from and um being in conversations with getting to be in conversations with some neat people over the years and makes me start to think more yeah um and leads me into like wanting to be more introspective and and wonder why I do things, yeah. you know? Um, I have a brother that helps me think about that kind of stuff a lot and make me kind of question, you know? So I start to not only be myself, but also uh, see myself a little yeah. bit. If that makes any sense? Yeah, no, for sure. The The studies on the ayahuasca and the uh, mushrooms and stuff like that for brain function, like uh, treating PTSDs yeah. and, you know, past experiences and stuff like that is pretty interesting. I'm like... I follow it decently closely just because I'm very interested in the effects of like the brain and how you, how do you learn something? How do you get over something? How do you change mm -hmm. behaviors? Stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh the last couple of years has been a lot of cool stuff that's come out about that stuff that was like 10 years ago, kind of demonized and looked at as like this really bad thing. Now we're starting to learn a little bit more like, Oh, this could be useful in like these certain areas. Yeah. There's like shades of gray in there, right? It's not just like it's good or it's bad. It's like, uh, it could be a useful tool in certain cases. It could be abused in certain cases. Um, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's book that kind of stuff's becoming like a new modality or whatever, whatever term people use for people to try and get well, you know? Yeah. Because it almost goes really back to our roots, like literally back to like, it's like 
Native American root medicine. Yeah. That they would use to like really have a better look at themselves, kind yeah. of. Um, but I, I, I recommend it. I think it helps. It's helped me a lot in just having different ways to think about things. Yeah. Um, when did you start being good at bait? Like, when did it start to add up? Because if you're doing all those cr- unique pitches, like some of the pitch, like you just have such a cool like assortment of pitches. I almost feel like, yeah, yeah somebody's rolling up to the mound. This is from your channel right here. Yeah. Oh, this is back in. Uh Oh, 11? 11 years ago. Yeah. Wow. You've had your channel for a long time. Yeah. I started, I think 2011, um, to do like, you know, try to connect with baseball fans and like give some information. And then I actually stopped it for like six or seven years there from 2013 through maybe 2019 or 2020. I should have kept it going. I'd have a lot more subscribers. You got a great amount of subscribers. 690,000 is amazing. Yeah. Um, and did, what made you stop? What was the break? Was you, were you getting busy with baseball? No, so I actually got in trouble. Uh, so I, when I was growing up, I, in high school and college, I watched a guy named Tim Lincecum, and I like studied everything about him. Wait, did he play for the Giants? Yeah, yeah. And I, from his college film, his Giants film, minor league film, like I can still close my eyes and picture like the exact delivery from a time from a video from University of Washington. He was throwing. Uh, it was like forty degrees that night half long sleeve per like I can see the video in my head. Um, but I studied him nonstop. And one of my most fun things to do in college was every time he pitched, I would go on MLB.com and I would see the highlights and I would just watch him over and over and over. And I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. So I actually started putting a segment up on my channel when I signed. I was in the minor leagues. There was no way for fans to watch me pitch in the minor leagues and have that same experience of highlights. So I would take video clips from the games make a little highlight reel. I called it Weekly Whiffs, and I would put it up on YouTube channel. And I did two episodes of it, and then the organization at the time that I was with at the time was like, hey, you can't do that. It was just different. No one was doing that. It was, right. you know, it can be looked at as like you're trying to embarrass the other hitters or whatever. It had nothing to do with the hitters. I was just trying to entertain the fans. Yeah. Um, and so I made a couple more videos after that, like the Pitch Grips video in 2013 and a couple slow motion videos here or there, but um, it kind of, in a way, it took a little bit of the fun of like trying to entertain fans out. Uh, and so I just, I was off of it. I went more towards uh, Twitter at the time, which is now X, but um, trying to just have that like back and forth connection with fans and grow it that way. Um, and that ended up getting me in a lot of trouble as well, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, people but, like you to have your own voice a lot of times. Yeah. You know, which is where, you know, if you're involved in something that's bigger, like when you have to go into organizations like major league sports, college sports, where there's yeah. a lot of big business interests on the back end of things, they really don't like a lot of guys to have their own voices. Yeah. It seems like they don't, you're not really, you're allowed to, but are you really allowed to? I yeah. Mean, it's a, it's an interesting, my perspective on that is, has changed a good amount recently. Like, so coming up, I was like, okay, I'm my own person. I'm going to have my voice. Like you as my employer, don't control me. I'm going to say what I want, whatever. And I was very kind of bullheaded on that. And then I started a business and I have employees and I (laughs) deal with employees who remind me very much of myself and they have their own voice and they express stuff in certain ways. And I'm like, okay, like I got to handle this a little bit differently as a business owner than I what is employee uh, and now I can understand the different perspective. Like I'm still very like I'm very protective of trying to tell my employees you can't say this or you can say this or like putting guidelines on it, but I do see how 
someone like me coming up that has these opinions, especially when I would be like critical of the league. Like here's an employee of the league who's being critical of their boss publicly. And like at the time I was like, well, this isn't right. And this isn't right. And I disagree with this and then blah, blah, blah. And so I would just say it. And then without considering the opposite perspective. And I think I was a lot more like, I can identify this problem and I'm just going to say that there's a problem and blame instead of now what I really try to do is look at and say, okay, identify a problem, but what are some potential solutions? Let me present the solutions that I think and have a discussion about it instead of just like, Hey, you're wrong. You're wrong. Do this this way. And whatever. Yeah. So some of that like evolution over time, growing up and getting older and learning from past mistakes, starting a business, seeing other perspectives. Um, in your business, you're talking about your YouTube channel, yeah. your Trevor Bauer channel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's a cool channel, man. Yeah. We have a uh, Trevor Bauer channel. We have also momentum. Uh, channel and Eric, and Eric Sims channel. We all we're kind of like a content group. Um, so momentum is the company, and it's started in 2019 to grow baseball, entertain baseball fans, mm-hmm. and so we bring people in. Um, Dude, wow, you have a lot of sub subs. The kids call them. Yeah, you get a lot of subs on there, man. Yeah, Eric just passed. I think he's at like 520 now as well. So I'm at 690. Momentum's at six or 567. Eric's over 500 as well. We got a couple other creators that come in. The, the idea is basically you bring guys in that love baseball, that have a good personality. You have a group channel where they can get exposure to a lot of people, entertain a lot of people, and yeah. then they end up growing their brands and can go in their own different directions. You have someone that does gaming, you have someone that does action, you have someone that does you know card reviews, you have someone that does whatever, and so you start branching out and entertaining all factions of baseball fans and growing the game organically where the audience is. You know, one of the things that I think NBA was probably the first sport to really adopt it is the social media push, like delivering content to fans where the fans are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you go on NBA or you go on Twitter or X or whatever social media platform when the playoffs are going on in NBA, it's like the second Steph Curry hits a three, like it's everywhere. Yeah. Right. And you have the same opportunities in baseball where it's like hard to find content. And so I was like, okay, this is a problem. But instead of just like blaming, I'm going to like try to actually do something about the problem. Mm. So Momentum is kind of my attempt to like help impact the marketability of players, help impact the growth of the game. You know, young people aren't playing baseball nearly as much anymore. There's so many other opportunities. Um, you got streaming services so they can watch on their iPad. You got gaming that's huge, esports. Um, people aren't outside as much playing. So the game is like shrinking a little bit at the yeah. youth level. So but trying to trying to grow it in in ways where kids will consume the content and get interested in it. Mm. Yeah, man, dude, that's so kudos, bro. Just to be a, be a, be a part, be doing something, uh, your job, but then also create wanting to create this other more of your job kind of, you know, like, um, this is not a lot of guys that have that, have their own channels like that. Yeah. Baseball's given me a lot. Oh yeah. This charts, uh, this chart's sad. This is share of children aged 6 to 12 who participate in baseball on a regular basis in the United States from 2008 to 2021. Yeah. And in 2008, it says 16.5%, and now we're down to 12.6%. Yeah. It's down like 25% in the last 15 years. I'm kind of shocked because I know we have a like a sl- larger growing Latino culture, you know, and I yeah. know baseball's big in Latino cultures, yeah. you know. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's been like a tail off like that? Well, I think... Uh Baseball has gotten expensive. Um, the equipment's very expensive. The travel team's very expensive. Um, also, baseball isn't doesn't have the cool factor that NBA has. NBA has sneakers, and 
and like rap culture, pop culture, they've blended the two together in a very cool way. That's a good point. And so when you're going through high school and you're trying to figure out who you are, like you want the you want to be part of the cool crowd and it's the sneakers, it's the the new rapper, the new album, it's the entertainer, it's and that's synonymous with NBA. Yeah. Uh baseball hasn't had the same like uh, success and blending and getting the cool factor for young. Yeah, kids. baseball always was like the it was the kids would go off and do it in high school, but you didn't really know you didn't. Yeah, and a lot of times you wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be a part of the pep rallies a lot of times yep. and stuff. So yeah, there was always missing a little bit. I mean, of that. football you have the crossover. You have like the cheerleaders and you have the football players. And yeah, these are you know, there's like integration of like the whole school right, and it's one game and the school shows up and it's our school versus your school and so there's a lot of involvement around football. NBA has the pop culture integration. Baseball's struggled to get that their thing. Um, and you know, it's uh, there's a lot of games, so it's not like if you miss out on this game, there's not going to be a game tomorrow. Right. So that's a good point. Uh, and, and it's always been that baseball has like an older demographic. It's a slower game. I think his attention spans are shrinking. TikToks around, shorts, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, all this stuff. Attention is shrinking. The cadence of baseball is slow. Right. Um, where NBA, it's like 20 seconds and then there's a new play and then this and then that. Football, yeah. it's like there's always something going on. Baseball, it's like, well, there's, you know, four minutes in between innings and then there's 30 seconds in between a pitch. Like one of the things they tried this year is like a pitch clock. So it shrink the time in between pitches, which has seemingly made the game more popular. Yeah, I feel good. that. I felt that energy when I went to some games yeah. this year. Yeah. It felt faster. It felt a little bit more. And it kept you a little bit involved because it was just enough time where you didn't kind of zone out and go mm -hmm. get onto your phone of that extra five or six seconds. Yeah. Like even we're saying that extra habitual moment where you kind of start to check out. Yep. I would stay involved. You know, we went to see Zach Gallon pitch a couple mm -hmm. times, which was really cool. Um, who else did we go? Oh, going to a Padres game is so much fun, man. That dude, park is so much fun. Did you fun. go in San Diego? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that park they, is so much fun. They do a good job down there. Um, when so the Padres and the Dodgers were Oh yeah. A lot of a lot of rivalry going back there. Dodgers players won't say it's a rivalry, but it's a rivalry. Yeah. All right. Um and so we you know, when I was in twenty twenty one, I was with the Dodgers, we'd go down play in Padres and it was like so loud. And so cool. the, the stadium's like pretty compact. Know, you, know, you got the good. you got the industrial building out there that kind of squeezes things together, and they pack it full. It's really energetic, and uh, yeah, we played some really fun games down there. It is such um, a fun place to uh, and it's, to be a it's, part of. It's cool. It's right downtown. The mm -hmm. backdrop's really cool. You're right by the ocean. The weather's always great. Like you literally you leave the stadium and you're. Just There's bars right there, right, outside, just right downtown. Like the best area. It's cool. They yeah. got some great players down there too, man. Yeah. Um, no, no, Joe is one of my buddies who pitches over there. Yeah. He's 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 awesome. Um, yeah. But uh, you Darvish, Machado, uh, Tatis. Yeah, they're just it's fun. That, that's a that's a fun place to see a game. Yeah. Um. So how did so when did you start to like when did you like be like okay I've got the mechanics. Uh, I've been working on this so much myself. I have my own interest in it. When did you start to be like good? And what was that like? So I was, I was good my freshman year. I was good my sophomore year in high school. I made, I made varsity team towards the end of my sophomore year, 
But then I really, like, I really exploded my junior year of, um, of high school. My velocity jumped a lot. I was throwing in the 90s. I struck a lot of people out. I had like a sub one ERA for the year. What? Started getting a lot of, uh, yeah, I think I was like 0.79 ERA or something. I don't remember the exact number, but. Um, Gosh. Yeah, struck out like uh, 106 people, I think, in 72 innings or something along those lines. So I had a really good year. I went 12-0 and 0 that year. Our team was really good. Um, actually, the there's a senior pitcher. I was a junior. Mike Montgomery was a senior. Um, he was getting a lot of looks. He ended up getting drafted in the first round mm -hmm. by the Royals that year. So we had a lot of scouts out at our games. Wow, so you had a lot of influence to see that this could really happen, right? I mean, yeah. he's right there ahead of you, and this happens in front of you. So baseball is such a small world, too, that like in the 2016 World Series, the last person to throw a pitch for the Cubs, Michael Montgomery, the last person to throw a pitch for the Indians, me. Wow. High school teammates were the last ones to throw pitches in that for our respective teams in that World Series. But uh yeah, and so he was good, and I don't like losing to people on my own team. I don't like losing, period. Like, I'm a super intense competitor. So, like, he would go have a start, and I'm like, okay, I got to be better than that. And then that really drove me to be better. And so, I actually, I ended up graduating high school half a year early. And so, I, didn't, I never played my senior season in high school. What? I just went to UCLA Oh, to you went start. straight to go? Went start, yeah. So, I graduated December, I think, 18th. And I started UCLA January 4th. And then I played what would have been my senior season of high school in as college. my freshman year in college. So you must have been one of the younger pitchers that year. Yeah, younger pit, one of the younger pitchers. I was actually the freshman pitcher of the year in all of NCAA that year. Right. And that's after that year is when I made Team USA and went played in Japan in 2009 as basically a high school senior. So so what happens in that space? Because like, um, and pitching is so perfect for you then it sounds like because it's your own little war that you're in mm -hmm. you're like this this orchestra you're the you're this yeah. guy but you're also the guy playing the you know yeah you, it's like um it's you versus them it's very clear cut how mm -hmm. things go um what uh oh dang i had a great question um, oh, it's probably wasn't that great, but I thought it was pretty decent. Um, <laughs> this is my brain checks out every now and then, but hold on, I'm gonna stay with this. What, uh, what about, did your ego, did ego start to build up? Cause that's one thing I always talk about a lot in here, yeah. just like our ego and what that's like, you know, cause what was it like when you start to get like a claim for that? If you're kind of have this social uncomfortability? Yeah. I, um, I've always tried to separate ego on and off the field. Um, I haven't been great at it. But I think having an ego on the field is super important. Like when you walk out there, you got to know that you're the best. You have to believe that you're better than him and him mm -hmm. and him. And you got to feel like you're the best guy out there to be like the true like competitor, you know, but off the field, like going around telling everybody that you're better than them and acting like that's not great. Right. So, uh, I'm not naturally like inclined to be egotistical. I, cause I, the way I view things, it's never like a static point. Everything is I'm improving or I'm getting worse. It's all, it's a fluid situation. And so if I'm either getting better or getting worse, I'm on a journey, just like you're on a journey. You have your struggles and your, your successes. I have my struggles and successes. I view myself as like, even with every other person, but on the field, like, when it's competition time, like I am the best person on the field. And if I'm not that day, it's because like I didn't work hard enough or I need a better process. But like every time I step on the field, I have to believe that I'm the best person there. And I've had times in my career where I lost that belief. Mm. 
And it was, they, those were very dark times performance wise. I was terrible on the field and I had to like trick myself and like fake, like fake it in my own mind that I was still good. And then when I started doing that, the results came back, but, um, yeah, it's interesting yeah. at levels of success how you have to sometimes trick yourself to stay there, how you have to use little manipulations, life hacks, all those. There's so many different things that so many different people who are top performers in their in their world or sport or whatever it yeah. is, line of work uh, do. I think I'm a little predisposed to uh, depression for whatever reason. I don't know if it's something chemical or, or what it is. I'm a very like kind of flat personality i don't have like a ton of highs and lows so when baseball would go bad like my mood would go mm. really bad and i had to find a way to kind of pull those two things apart and be regardless if baseball was up or down i needed to be able to like be okay in my life um and would you and, do to go did you like would you like if when things got bad how would you would you booze a little? Like, how would your world? Know? So I've never, I've never been drunk. I've never done drugs. Um, wow, yeah. bro, you are, you are riding the fucking world. Like, yeah, that's in, that's in, it's, it's incredible, man. It's I didn't, just, it's I didn't have friends to invite me to the parties in high school, yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah. I never got started. But um, yeah, I would like when I would have it early in my career. Let's say prior to, uh, let's say July 2017. Um, I would have a bad outing and I would go home and I would study it for hours wow. and hours and I would be up till four or five in the morning and then I wouldn't sleep well. And then I'd be miserable the next day. Cause I'm like, okay, I should have done all these things that I didn't do. And now my results are bad and we lost the game and I'm this and that and whatever. Um, and then I was just 20, the, the start of 2017 was like the worst half of baseball that I've had. And I had like a seven or eight ERA. Gosh, that's was, a lot. I could have that. Probably. Yeah. No, if, I mean, I, I probably could. Any, anyone, any number of people. Oh, yeah, some <laughs> could people have could done have that. It. Let's just say some people could have it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sorry, man, that was kind of offensive. But. No, no. I mean, it's true. It's just a fact. I was bad, and I had to trick myself into believing that I was good. Wow. Because I'm so analytical that I was like, I am the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball right now, factually. And I had to pull myself out of that and somehow trick myself on the field to thinking that I was good. And then I also had to pull myself, a, split myself from baseball so I could find a way to be okay personally in life. And um, so I had to start developing some other interests, some stuff that when I went home, I would get interested in that thing instead of studying baseball so much. And then from 2017 on, outside of two months at the end of 2019, I was probably like a top 10 pitcher in baseball. And, but that's that split of like being okay personally and finding a way to kind of like level out that depression and um, some of those, you know, really down moments um, made me better and more stable at doing my job on the field as well. And would you go spend time with the guys after the games? Or would you still kind of do your own thing a lot? So baseball is uh, because night, because games are played at night. Like when you get out of the field, it's 11, 15, 11, 30. Yeah. So if you're gonna go spend time with the guys, it's like, what bar are you going to? What club are you going to? There's not a whole lot of other options. Right. Um, on the road, sometimes you go back to the hotel room, go play cards, have a glass of wine or something in someone's room and hang out with the guys. Um, but it's not like you're just going to dinner at seven o'clock and having a nice night. So 
Um, I would typically just go from the field back home. Most of the time you do, you spend with guys during season is like prior to the game. So you yeah. get there at noon or one, play cards in the clubhouse, play some video games, joke around, whatever, or day games when you get done at four and you can go to dinner. Those are usually like Sundays if you're not traveling. Um, do you find yourself like in social atmospheres? Do you feel pretty uncomfortable? Like, how do you how do you feel like in social atmospheres? Do you feel pretty? Has it changed over time? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed. I'm very uncomfortable around large groups of people that I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm not very good at like starting a conversation. Um, I, you know, I just I think too much, and so when yeah. I look at another person, I'm like, well, they don't want to talk to me, and like, what am I gonna say? And well. How do I not come off? I don't want to come off awkward and disturb them, but I also like kind of want to talk to them. But I and I just don't, oh, I just yeah. don't do. It. I just think too much. Where I watch some guys, they just like go up, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And they like have a great conversation. I'm like, damn, like I, yeah. And then they're I can't married to them. You're like, God, that guy, <laughs> that, that guy's doing quick. Yeah, that guy's <laughs> doing great, man. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, dude. Sometimes I would always marvel at people that just had that disposition to be able to be comfortable. Yeah, man, I remember. There's a, a WWE wrestler, The Miz is his mm -hmm. name. And um, he was just, he was always so comfortable wherever he was. And it was the, I, I never saw anybody like it. The guy just, and he just, it was just effortless, you know? And I, that was one thing I was always so envious of certain people that had, they didn't have to fight inside of themselves to be comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that was always like, something I really, uh, I just noticed a lot. Yeah. I'm comfortable with myself, right? but I'm not comfortable like going into like unknown groups and like just somehow integrating myself. Uh, now, if I know a couple people and we're out, like I'm fine, like meeting one of their friends and having a conversation, like yeah. talk to someone all night. But I'm not the one that's I, – I don't know how to go start those conversations. Yeah. You might so. have a freaking hit of the tism. I got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no judgment, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the greatest like people of our time now have, I think, a low-key dose, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, 7 8%, I think. I and, wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk definitely is riding – you know, he's riding some. Bezos has it for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of the greats have it. Some people think that Mike Tomlin – Mm. Is that his name? The football it, coach, right? Yeah. yeah. He, lo you know, you don't see a lot of dark tism going on, but I bet he's got a dose. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of it out there. It's creeping up on all of us, but I think it's helping in some ways. It's because I think we, some of us are having to evolve. We've gotten into such a, uh, digital and like a world that is, uh, that if you have, are able to conceptualize things, almost a little more electronically sometimes it's a light word I'm using, yeah. but that you have more success mm -hmm. because we're just becoming more like hypothetically like robots as people. So it just kind of makes sense. Yeah. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, prior to social media, if you're going to get information, you're going to read a book, you're going to ask people around, you're going to be in the community and like learn from people around you. So yeah. your habits of uh, ingesting information were reliant on, being able to have those interactions, yeah. you're outside more. There was less to do on your phone personally, like less connection digitally. There was no connection digitally for a long time. Your grandpa was so, like shitty Google. Remember you go yeah. to your grandpa? Yeah. Remember I, the thesaurus? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go look up in the thesaurus. Now yeah. you just 
chat GPT or Google it, it or whatever. Yeah, you can now you can just you don't even have to you can like go to myfakefamily.com and just yeah. pick out a family on there and they'll send you a picture of you <laughs> in a family. Yeah. And you that's can crazy. frame it and put it on your <laughs> you're like, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. It just yeah, crazy. it's a it's a different universe. But it's kind of fascinating. If we don't look at it that kind of stuff as a negative, I think sometimes we look at it as we're part of evolution, you know, in a way. So sometimes that's kind of interesting to me. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, if you're struggling with something, if something, there's a specific thing, maybe you can't handle it anymore. Or maybe it's just a general feeling of depression or uncertainty. Some of that's normal, but some of it isn't. And if you feel like you need help, then BetterHelp is a great place to try. That's for sure. I've used BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash Theo today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P, help.com slash Theo. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Theo. You know that little guy with the uh, hat and glasses when you open up incognito mode for a little late night research? Well, that guy has seen some things, hasn't he? Good thing to know he can keep a secret. Uh, nah, he can't. He doesn't. Even with Mr. Incognito on duty, every single thing you've ever clicked on is fully visible to anyone who owns your Wi-Fi. Who's that, you ask? Uh, I don't know. Your work, your school's IT department, your parents. Sounds like you need ExpressVPN. That's what we're using. ExpressVPN is an app that sends 100% of your traffic through their encrypted servers, so your eclectic tastes in cinema cannot be seen by anyone. It's like a super incognito mode that actually works. I love ExpressVPN so much, I even got them to give you an incredible deal. If you use my special link, expressvpn.com slash Theo, you'll get three extra months completely free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash Theo to help support the podcast and get three extra months of ExpressVPN absolutely free. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Yeah, fellas. Remember the days when you were already ready to get going and you were just ready to do some sex. But maybe something's changed. Who knows? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's right. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. That's right. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Chew your way to that freaking wonderful wiener, baby. You can do it. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Theo at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Theo. To receive your first month free, visit 
BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. It must be interesting to be you, though, because you, it's, I feel like when there's more going on in your head, as much as it is a curse, it's also kind of, there's enough of a world going on where you're kind of, you're dealing with that. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of stimulation. Yeah. Um, I don't do well when I'm bored. Like, I, my mind needs something to be working on. Yeah. So there's never a shortage of that. Um, but I think that's why getting into business has been very beneficial for me because I don't have those, like, blank moments or blank hours where I... Yeah, I, I would I would fill those early in my career. I'd fill them going on Twitter for three hours, and Twitter was so much fun. It was so much fun, and I I had fun with it. Yeah. But I think me having fun with people is usually like playful banter. Mm-hmm. Like I'll kind of like throw a little like jab your way, and you throw them back my way, and it's like because it's a jousting match, and I like that because it's witty, and it forces me to think and like. It's and, and I'm having these conversations with people and I'm like laughing and joking with them in person. Yeah. And you get a sense of like, I'm not being serious. And you can tell very clearly that I'm not being serious. But on Twitter, it doesn't come across that way. And especially not, even though the person that you're doing it with may feel that way, may not, other people reading it might get really confused. Yeah. And so I would banter with a lot of people. And I think it got construed negatively by the media. I know it got construed negatively by the media, the larger media as a whole. And then I get this reputation of being combative and stuff. And I was never doing it from a combative standpoint. I understand how it looks that way and how it came off that way. And so those blank hours where I was just had nothing to do and I was just like joking with people on Twitter. firing stuff off. Got, you know, got me in trouble. Um, Trump has a great, Dave Portnoy interviewed Donald Trump and he goes, you ever just like, he like, would you say, was he asking Nick about proofreading some of his tweets or something? And Trump's like, yeah, you ever just fire something <laughs> off and, and just go to bed and just hope yeah. it's okay? <laughs> and Trump was like, yeah, all, all the time. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what the hell yeah. is going on? Yeah. But like, you do that if you think about Twitter being a parallel to like real life, like you, someone says something to you and you just fire away. Because right. if you pause for five seconds to think about what you're going to say, it almost like gives you the yips. Like you almost don't, know how to respond then because we're so conditioned like you say something and i'm I'm like i have a response right but if (laughs) have you ever thought about what proofreading like in real life would look like like you would ask me something and i would think of my response and then i would pause for five or six seconds and really think through my Uh, response and then i might say something slightly differently can you imagine a conversation like that if it was like you say something and i pause for like 10 seconds and then say something back to you, and then you pause for like ten seconds, and like th- really actually think through it. Like would that, like we'd be like processing our answer, and then yeah. it'd be printed out for the person. Yeah, kind of. it'd be so like, bizarre. It'd be so bizarre. It'd be almost like a script. Then, yeah, probably it would be a very awkward conversation. Yeah. It's not like a normal human tendency to have an interaction like that. So when some when you read something, it's like oh, someone just said something, and I'm going to say it. Now it takes longer to type it, but you're still having the thought. And so you never have the option in person to like, okay, I just said this. Now let me proofread it. Let me read it again. Let me check for this. Yeah, let, let me, me, over. Let me think about this. My friend. Right. Is this okay? Is yeah. this weird? Yeah. But yeah. On, on Twitter, then it's like the expectation now for, you know, people in the public eye um, is that you would proofread it and then you would check with the publicist or you would check with, you know, someone or for whatever. You would make sure that it was everything. 
and it's just not the normal flow of conversation. Now it might be in the future as the as humanity moves more towards a digital presence. Like maybe that's what happens. It's gonna but be sad. It's not. Uh, it's not normal. Yeah, it's certainly abnormal. What was that thing? Did you bring it up, Nick? What Trump had? Oh, Portnoy asked the president if he ever regrets any of the content he posts. Often, too often, Trump said. It used to be in the old days, you'd write a letter and you'd say, this is this letter's really big. You'd put it on your desk and you go back tomorrow and you'd say, oh, I'm glad I didn't send it, right? But we don't do that with Twitter, right? We put it out instantaneously, we feel great, and then you start getting phone calls. Did you really say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Half the time it's like, damn, I didn't even, I never, and I never would have thought that that would be interpreted that way. Thought twice about yeah. it, yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous now. And then people are like, take it down. People say, it's, like, it's definitely... It's weird. It's weird the way that we communicate now, how foreign it is. And I think also how, like, as humans, we're not supposed to adapt to the way we communicate. Like, it's so abnormal to nature, our nature. I think that a lot of it ends up making us feel sick or confused. Sometimes I'll send stuff to Nick and I'll be like, hey, is this okay? You know, do I seem chill? Does this seem crazy? Am, <laughs> am I gay? Like, right He's like, dude, this is fine, bro. Yeah. You're, just, you're doing fine. But it's like, I think, yeah, and, and as you have some notoriety, especially for your sport, um, I'm sure like the the microscope gets even, even tougher. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you get through, so you're going to the major leagues. Yeah, you have some, there's some great videos of, of you out there like impersonating like other players and mm -hmm. stuff, dude. So funny, man. Yeah. So when, when, when did you start to get, get the entertainment aspect? How did that kind of come into you, do you feel like? I think when I got comfortable that I was good and that I had largely like, established myself where I was going to be able to have a career. Like early yeah. in your career, you're just fighting to stay there. And it's like, if you have a bad outing, you might not be there the next day. But once you get to a certain level, it's like, okay, I have some leeway here. I can't be bad forever, but if I have a bad start or two, it's not going to be like I'm gone. And so that gives you a right, little... It becomes manageable. Yeah. And it gives you a little sense of like settle in, you can take a breath, you can be a little bit more comfortable. And then you start having some of these longer standing relationships with guys on your team because now you've been teammates for two, three, four years. Um, and you have some of those jokes and like each game and moment becomes a little bit less serious because, because of that comfortability. And then you have, you can start joking around and you can start having fun. Um, so really like 2018, I had a really good second half of the year, 2017, really good start to 2018. And I started like feeling, more like comfortable and like settled with the team and I started you know entertaining I'm pretty like I'm I like the banter like we talked about I like the kind of witty interactions and so I like figuring out the puzzle of how do I like take this normally mundane thing and just put a little twist on it like make it more entertaining for people and then, yeah, starting in like 2020, really, after I started the media company, um, Momentum in 2019, it was like, okay, this is an attention economy. So in order for baseball to grow, there have to be clips that are viral enough to get to the youth that they see it and like, oh, baseball is fun. Right. And then I'm like, okay, how do I start making some of these viral clips? Well, let me study NBA. What goes viral in NBA? Uh, when people do something like they dunk on someone and they celebrate it 
like when LeBron's flexing on someone, like that's everywhere, right? When Curry hits a three, but before he the ball's in the bucket, he's already running down the court, like celebrating it because he knows it's in. Like that's everywhere. So I'm like, okay, how do you apply some of that to baseball? <laughs> it's like, all right, what can you do in baseball? Like, are you gonna yeah. celebrate a strikeout? That'd be comparable to like flexing on someone when you dunk on them, right? Are you gonna call your shot on you know the day before the game? Oh, I'm gonna do this with this person. Are you gonna have some sort of you know what what does that look like in baseball? It's a good point. Yeah. And so I started getting the entertainment aspect of it because I was settled with the performance. Like I can entertain or and compete at the same time. Right. So I can compete and just not do any entertainment. And you're going to get the same level of performance out of me that you'll get if I'm also doing a little bit of entertainment um, because I've it's like my base operating level is intense competition. Dude, you're an interesting dude, bro. I'm all messed up. No, it's my, great my mind's my mind's <laughs> It's cool. It's just neat to get a look at how you operate, yeah. man. It's it's really interesting. I yeah. appreciate you talking with me, man. Um yeah, because you're you're but you're right though. If you're trying to build this sport, that's what you have. Those are the you need some of those moments. Yeah. You know, like the um there's a video out there and it's a bunch it's it's of you just impersonating some of the other players on your team. I think yeah. when you're with the um Yeah, the Indians. We're in Pittsburgh. With the Indians. It was uh Shout out Sunshine Clevenger over there too, dude. Yeah, you know Mike. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, been around Mike, man. He's a he's a, such an entertaining guy. Yeah. Um. So this is a this is a funny story. A lot of people don't know like the follow up to this story. So you can see the guys in the background. Of this video have rain uh, like tarps on or whatever. It's, so it's raining. Right. So you're in a raining so game, and this is here Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. What year is this? This is 2018, maybe. Okay. I don't know, 20. And as you come up yeah. to bat here, you keep kind of impersonating, I guess, different players on yeah. your team. Their their batting stances. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we had a lot of unique batting stances this year, um, and so always like we get four days off in between starts as a starting pitcher. So we're in the dugout just messing around, like we don't have anything to do. And so I was always grabbing something and trying to impersonate, you know, Mike Avilas, Jason Kipnis, Rayburn, Brantley, like some of these guys that had really unique characteristics. And so. Um, at one point, I think it was Mike Avila's like, hey, when are you going to do that for real? Like, you won't. And I was like, I'll do it. So I go and I have this at bat where I, you know, do Rayburn and Kipnis. And were they Avis all shocked? They were all, if you look at the dugout, I don't know if there's a view of it. They're all like laughing. Yeah, that's Mike right there. He's <laughs> just, it. Yeah. Kipnis seems like such a neat guy, huh? Kip's awesome, yeah. So the follow-up to this, though, is I get, I walk in this at bat. And mm -hmm. so I'm on first base and I'm just this stupid pitcher, like, you know, <laughs> running the bases and whatever. And so the catcher, you know, obviously the you know, Pittsburgh wasn't super like. Oh, they're applauding. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Pittsburgh wasn't super like pleased with <laughs> that. Oh, uh, because they're like, you guys are joking around out here. Yeah. So right after that, the next pitch, like I take my lead off first and the catcher catches the ball and like fakes like he's going to throw it down. First baseman was nowhere close, but I'm not used to being on base because I suck as a hitter. I'm never on base, <laughs> right? So he goes to throw it down to first and I freak out and I like dive back <laughs> and there's no first baseman there and it's muddy and I stick in the mud and I don't even make like my hand sticks. And I don't even make it back to the base. I'm just laying there by the base looking around. There's no one there. The oh, catcher yeah. never threw the ball and I'm covered in mud. Yeah. And he just like pointed at me and like threw the ball back to the pitcher. I'm like, all right, all right, that's good. You got even. me. Yeah. We're, we're even. <laughs> uh, that's good. I respect that. <laughs> 
That's classic. That's such a neat thing about life too, how it works. It's like the second you start to get on your high horse, even just, just a little life's like, knocks you down. Yeah, here you go. There's, brother. A, there's another really good example that we're playing the Padres 2021. We're at Dodger stadium. Um, and I facing, uh, I'm facing, uh, Eric Hosmer. Now I knew Haas from, he was in Kansas city when I was with Cleveland. So we played each other a lot. So we have a little bit of a, you know, a history, like mm-hmm. playing each other. So the first at bat, I throw him a curveball. He like half swings at it and strikes out. And I like hit him with my sword celebration. And, uh, the next at bat, he comes up, I throw him a curveball. Instead of missing it, he hits a rocket right back at my face. Like it would have, it would have killed me if I didn't get out of the way. I end up like laying on my back and I'm like laying down on the mound, like what just happened? Fortunately, it didn't hit me. And he's over at first base and I start to sit up and there's actually a picture of me. Yeah, this is probably it. Is this? Yeah, that. Ooh. Right. And I don't know if this video clip goes oh, long enough, but uh, see if I laugh right here. Yeah, yeah, right there. So he's at first base. He like, hey, and I look over at him. And he uh, he gave me the sword, oh, back. He gave the sword back. So I got him the I got him the pitch the, the bat before, and then he just like got me back, and then let me know about it. Tatis had a great one. He hit a home run off me, like put one one hand over his eye because in spring training I had like thrown in the oh, bat yeah, with some. one eye closed, and then against the Padres, and then they waited, and then when he got me back, he put his eye his hand over do you mind this stuff you think it's fun i love it yeah it's cool actually dude if people if people would like celebrate on me all the time i don't care like that's good for the game yeah dude and it would be so kind of there's one thing like savannah bananas you know you see them yeah there's some of their shit's gotten crazy they're like doing the newsies the musical between fucking second and third inning yeah jesus christ yeah like a 90 minute musical yeah let's get the game going you know uh but it's also there's something that's just fun about um just a little bit of the of the adding more to it and i think you're right i think if you you know there's a little bit more ambiance between some of the players mm-hmm. it definitely right there you're like oh shit he's gonna it's almost like when you you know that um like gary payton was gonna guard uh yes. michael jordan or something like oh i want to i want to tune in yes because i know that four What's times gonna they're happen? gonna face each other right let's see how this shakes out i mean strickland and duplessis just fought right yeah that fight was not really interesting until they had the little skirmish in the crowd and Strickland like threw the elbow and yeah. they fought. And then everyone's like, oh, we got to watch this fight. And the fight, it was a great fight. I, I thought Sean won personally, but. I do, yeah, what yeah. do you think about it? I thought it was 3-2. I thought he outstruck, he outstruck him. Um, didn't think that Duplessis got much out of the takedowns. A lot of takedowns, but not a whole lot came from them. Um, I don't hate the decision. Like very close fight. Could have gone either way. I had it, I had it 3-2 Strickland. Judges had a 3-2 Duplessis. Yeah. You like the fights? Yeah. I'm a big UFC fan, yeah. Oh, cool, bro. Me too. Yeah, I feel like like there should be a little more gravity if you're going to give the belt away. That's what it felt like to me. I was like, it's this close and you're going to give the belt away? Like, if you're going to beat somebody for the belt, there should be a little more gravity to it. Yeah. It should be like definitive, you beat them. Yes. Yeah. Like, if it's a regular match, I get it. Yeah. But And maybe that's... 
I'm just a, somebody who sits in the crowd and, and wishes they could be tough enough to be out there. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in the ring. <laughs> oh. But, you know, one of the things you said earlier made me think what I've heard a lot of guys say. They're like, they can be great guys, neat guys, but they have to believe when they go in there yeah. that they are the baddest motherfucker in the world. Because if they don't believe that... Yeah. It, the it, the uh, what can happen is just they don't stand they're not giving themselves any sort of a chance yeah you know yeah god and that's just got to be i can't imagine like what that what the walk must be like like it's you and another human like in a death match yeah like, it's got to be a crazy adrenaline rush but it's also got to be super scary like, i i Walking out to play a baseball game, like you win, you lose. It sucks if you lose, but like there's not that visceral consequence. Yeah. Like you walk out there, you, I don't think they've ever had a death in the UFC, but like you get seriously hurt, like bad. Yeah. And some of the guys, they seem already hurt before they ever fought. And you're like, damn, this yeah. guy, he needs to keep whatever he's got still in the tank. He's got to, he can't lose yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know, oh, but yeah, the fact that they and they love it. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, they love it. Like you could see sometimes like Gaethje or Poirier, just how like just fucking. That's that's their thing. Yeah. That lights them up. That, Imagine like, only getting to perform like twice a year too. That's the toughest part. I hate I hate baseball cadence where I only get to play once every fifth or sixth day. I can't imagine twice a year, once a year. Yeah. Yeah, imagine once a year yeah. Trevor Bauer gets to come out and throw some pit and, and, and pitch a game. For like 20 minutes. God. Can you imagine training for a year and then you get 20 minutes and it, like it could be over in 30 seconds? I can't. It's almost like I think penguins are only fertile for like 11 minutes out of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a crazy stat. I never heard that before. So it's almost like that. <laughs> um. But yeah, if you, if you find anything on that, Nick, let me know. I don't understand. I got a buddy said he had some. I shouldn't say this, but he had the option if I wanted to get a little bit of penguin meat, which would be mm. crazy to eat. But I've had puffin. Have you really in Iceland? Yeah. Oh my god, I've Trevor! Had puffin, kangaroo, oh. puffin, Icelandic horse, shark. Shark was terrible. Oh, yeah. The fermented shark. So like. Ferment the shark and they freeze it and they serve it in these like little cubes. It's like a delicacy in Iceland and they love it. I, it tastes like gasoline. I couldn't. Oh. Dude, it was, I don't know. I've had a little acquired, gasoline. Acquired taste for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially, yeah. And if you've had real gasoline, dude, it's like you don't want an imitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. want the real thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I've had reindeer somewhere. I've oh, had man. owl. I've had, uh, what else have I wanted to have? I wouldn't, I, I don't know if you want to have penguin though you know people just love them to i just yeah they're kind of like the french bulldog of the north i feel like yeah like you couldn't imagine eating french bulldog <laughs> no you know frenchies are way too cute yeah that's a thing people, yeah. people would be pissed I yeah think. now yeah. it would taste good i bet ah i'm not even gonna go down that route I, yeah, like, I, right. I know some frenchies and i know people that love their frenchies i can't even imagine but yeah yeah let's don't even say anything else about it <laughs> um so you get to your career score rate. You were a Cy Young winner. Yep. That had to be unbelievable. Are you chasing that at a certain point to the season? Does it get like yeah. where you're almost like the drivers in NASCAR where it's like you're. I chased that for 10 years. Wow. So I went to college and I, like I said earlier, I, well, I studied Tim Lincecum 
mm-hmm. and he won a Golden Spikes Award, which is basically the Heisman Trophy of baseball. It goes to like the best college baseball player. And I went to college, and my only goal, not my only personal goal, like I wanted to win the College World Series and everything like that with my team, but my personal goal was to win the Golden Spikes Award. And I won that my junior year of college. So like check that box off. Where did you really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Dude, congratulations. That's un- yeah. You were the best player in college baseball. Yeah. The one-one. Yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. bro. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, mainly because like I set a goal and I spent literally all of my time. I like should have gone to class more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like didn't I just did not go to school. But it was like baseball and it was just my thoughts, my like training, everything was just like on that. And I accomplished it. And it's like a sense of pride that I could set a goal and like accomplish it. It wasn't the ego of being the best guy. It was the fact that I set a goal and like worked my way and actually accomplished that goal. And so after that, I was like, okay, what's next? And like, well, Tim won two Cy Young Awards. I think he has, he might've had three. I think he has, I know he has two. And I was like, okay, that's the new goal. And so from 2011, when I won the Golden Spikes, for the next 10 years, I was chasing the Cy Young Award. And everything I did was like, okay, who's the best pitcher in baseball? What do they do better than I do? And like, let me go work on that. And it's, did he get, uh, oh yeah, three-time World Series champion, two-time Cy Young Award. Yeah, back-to-back, wow. 08 and 09. Dude, he was- You're halfway there. Those two years were- Yes, I remember something, that. Something different. Like, it was just so, so unique what Tim was able to do. Um, Tim Lincecum, yeah. Yeah. And so, I yeah, from 2011. He had the long hair too, remember? Yeah. God, to be able to do so well with long hair too. <laughs> you know, he was, Randy Johnson did that. Or Eckersley did that. There's just, it's a special. Yeah. To to be like, yeah, my hair fucks. And then you go out there <laughs> and throw total yeah. gas on people. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What are um, you saying? He won. Oh, so he won, he won two of them. I won it in two. So I won the Golden Spikes 2011. I was like, all right, I, I want the Cy Young. And so everything I did for the next 10 years was centered around like, what does the best pitcher do that's better than I am? And like, let me develop that skill set. What pitch does he throw? How hard does he throw? Is he durable? What's his command? How's his nutrition? Like all this stuff. And so I just worked at it. And then 2020, uh, I won the Cy Young, um, which is like a, yeah, the the pitching coach at with the Reds, um, Derek Johnson. I've been I've known Derek for he's like one of my guys. I've known him since two thousand since I was getting recruited to college. I wanted to go to Vanderbilt and play for him. He was at Vanderbilt at the time, but he's like in the baseball circles that I kind of run in. Caleb Cotham was the assistant pitching coach. He was uh, I trained with him for years. So These are dogs. You guys like, are your dogs. Uh, Eric Jagers was there. Like he was. Um, I trained with him and like one of my guys, like all my people, Sonny Gray was there. Like all my, uh, all my people were there and like to have that year, it was super special. Um, do they get a, also a copy of the, no, so they give the out, award? they give out one award. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my catchers, I got them, uh, they're both kind of like watch guys. Mm-hmm. So I got, them, uh, we all got like Rolexes. I let them pick their their watch, and it all has like twenty twenty NL Cy Young engraved. Wow, dude, look how happy you look, man. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this was um, we were playing the Reds uh, this day. So uh, Sonny and Louis Castillo and DJ 
actually came over for the ceremony. I have some pictures with them. So you um, won it with the Reds, but you didn't get the award till the next season. Yeah. When you were playing with the Dodgers. Yeah. Wow. And then and, for and yeah, you were playing against the Reds when you got it. Yeah. I think they scheduled the ceremony for that day right. for that for that crossover. Dude, that must cool. have been so crazy. Yeah. I uh, we, 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 go on. For ten years on my phone, I had a picture of a Cy Young Award. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was, I don't remember exactly whose Cy Young Award it was. I used to see the name every day. And then every time I opened my phone, that was the, the background picture of my phone. Like uh, Every time I was looking at it, I just would see it in my mind. And then I replaced that picture with, now the background of my phone is my Cy Young Award because um, I want another one. Uh, but yeah, I chased it for 10 years and finally like finally accomplished it, which is a, a pretty crazy um, to chase something for 10 years uh, and finally get it is like such a cool feeling. I didn't even know like how to feel. It was like, I can't believe this actually happened. Yeah. Are you able to feel proud, pride, like kind of, well, do you, uh, 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 not, in, not in the moment. Um, and by the time I win something, I've already like set the next target. Yeah. And I was like, I want it. And I was like, okay, but anyone can win one. Wow. You can't win. Who who can how many guys have won two? How many have won three? And like so I just it's one of my struggles. I need to get better at it. Is like actually enjoying the fact that I did this really cool yeah. thing. What um, a trickster. Your brain is such an because sometimes our brain is like a trickster. It's like, yeah. oh well, it's like, and what about this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, it's sometimes if I can look at that almost like, yeah, and, and try and enjoy it, not be too hard on myself, not you know, constantly be pushing the goal line. But sometimes if I can just look at myself and be like, what a fucking trickster you mm-hmm. are, brain. Yeah. You're going to go and make, you're going to, we just did it. And you're yeah. Like, let me, it. let me like hang out here for yeah. a little bit and <laughs> yeah. like enjoy this. But if I can at least laugh at that part of me that does it instead yeah. of look at it like, man, it just keeps moving and I'm never able to have any fun. Yeah. Sometimes that can help me have a little bit of a different like space there. Yeah. Like, I get like uh, long-term enjoyment out of it. It's yeah. like little, little hits of it here and there. So the award is actually up in my room at my parents' house, like where I grew up. And I, this is where I, you know, I still have artwork that I made in high school that's on the walls and like hats that I had signed by people that are hanging there. Like it's, yeah. it's like my room. Um, and so the award is like hanging up like in my childhood room um, because I feel so like cool. that's where it, belong like most people put it in like a case and like that's where the journey started got it and like that's where it i feel like it just belongs like the young kid that like never thought he'd play big league baseball because big league baseball players are like they're superstars they're like different than me and all of a sudden i end up being one of those people and have this thing that like only the best of the best get and it's like still when I see it up there, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, yeah, I have a note from my high school coach threatening to kick me off the team next to like the Cy Young Award. <laughs> <laughs> like the, 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 the disparity between those things is like such a such an interesting contrast, you know, bro. It's that. Oh, that's so many feelings. That's so much at once, dude. Yeah. What was What was he threatening to kick you off for? Do you remember? Dude, I was. I have like four or five of them. Uh, <laughs> I got thrown out of a game one time. I was hitting and uh, umpire made a bat, what I thought was a bad call. So I flipped my bat and I like drew a line in the sand of like where the ball crossed the plate. Didn't say a word. Mm-hmm. I got tossed. 
And then, of course, like you're getting thrown out of a game, not good look for the high school program. There's times where like the park that I mentioned earlier where I'd go up and do practice, like I would go up there and throw – there's a tennis court with like a really high fence next to a big open grass field. And so I would throw a long toss on the open grass field and the ball would hit the the fence and like die there. And I had to throw by myself. So I'd have two buckets of balls and I would throw them all and then go pick them up and keep throwing. And then one of the local tennis instructors didn't like the noise of the ball hitting the fence. Mm. And so he would go and like, we had this years long like feud and he would come out in the middle of his tennis lessons and like grab my buckets of baseballs and steal them so I couldn't throw. And then he would like call the cops on me and like all this stuff. But the thing is there was no signs. It's a public park, no signs on the fence saying that I couldn't throw against it. We'd gone to city council and like cleared it and made sure it was okay. He just didn't like it. So a lot of, a lot of just technical back and forth. Yeah. But you like to make sure that you, you're kind of like me, I think it seems in some ways. I think I like, I always wanted to make sure how I felt was known. Mm. I always wanted to have my say in things. So, or be able to have my say. That's what I felt yeah. like. And it's sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. For sure. Um, I had, I, I remember the, the morning um, that that kind of like changed for me. I was 17, I was in high school. I had gotten up in the morning to go to the YMCA, did my pre preschool workout, came back, showered, was looking in the mirror. I was like, you know, why, what, what is it about me that like I don't have friends, that people like don't like me, that they bully me, that they pick on me, like all this stuff. And I just made the decision that day. I was like, I like myself. Like I'm good in school. I treat people well. I'm hardworking. I'm whatever. Like I like what I see looking yeah. back at me, so I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm not going to – I'm going to stop chasing, like, approval from other people. And as long as I can be proud of myself, like, I'm cool with it. And so that gave me the freedom internally to, like, have a voice. And when someone would say something to me, I'd fire back. And I would feel better about myself because I felt like I was defending myself and standing mm. up for myself. And my life got a lot better uh, through the rest of high school and into college because of that, because I felt like I had a voice and I was being heard instead of just being like swatted down all the time. And then as my life situation changed, you know, something that can be good at one point can be bad at other points. Um, as my life situation changed, as people stopped picking on me as much as, you know, I got into professional baseball and my profile in baseball grew, I was still very quick to just like fire back at people and, you know, fans normally in like the bantery, like good natured way, but media people, you know, uh, on air personalities, writers and stuff like that. Um, they would write something about me that I didn't like, or that I disagreed with, or I felt was untrue. That's one thing that really bugs me is when someone writes something that is not true about, mm -hmm. about anyone. Like, I don't think you should, because it affects a person's, uh, reputation and stuff, you know? Um, so I would just fire back at them. And I was like, okay, I'm justifying this to myself because they attacked me first and mm -hmm. they said this stuff that isn't true. They set the terms where they're going to just come out of, they're going to go out of their way to like, I wouldn't pick on them. They're going to come after me. Well, okay, unleash it, like fire back. Yeah. And I, I would, think makes good sense. Yeah. I would just unload on, on people though, like said some pretty hurtful things. And then, you know, I get the reputation of being this like combative person, which I'm not, but that's how I appeared on online. And I don't think I updated my, like how I 
behaved and interpreted the world. Like, I don't think I updated that as quickly as like my life situation changed. I see. And so I got to a point where like I didn't need to be doing that stuff. And there's a much more mature way to handle those things. Like just have a conversation with a person right. instead of just like online, like firing back. Um, so that's one thing that over the last couple of years I've really tried to like update. Evolve in? Update my, my how I perceive the world and like how I operate in the world mm-hmm. to match like my life situation. Well, sometimes um, it makes sense that that takes like um, sometimes the world doesn't take into account that we have to get to certain places where we have enough space to look around at our environment yeah. and update our own software. Yeah. Right. And 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 sometimes that takes time. It's yeah. like and and that's just what it is, you know, but um, the media is also gross. I want to I'll say that you don't have to say yeah. that. And um, uh, I think the media is very gross these days. There's countless things that are printed all the time and said that have no uh jurisprudence is that a word nick why am i saying that sounds right jurisprudence i don't know what (laughs) oh it just means a legal system oh yeah yeah i just i don't know merit i don't know i think i remember just reading uh scarlet letter and that popped into my head for some reason (laughs) but i'm forever stuck on whatever books i read in like like ninth grade bro forever dude people be like bro you you have a good vocabulary i'm like dude if it wasn't in fucking uh the scarlet letter dude i don't know it um but no it's interesting man and especially i think learning more about you you see like oh well this is this guy has had to kind of like create his own operating software to fit what works with him and his world, you know? Yeah. And that's, um, a lot of people, you don't get to know that about them, you know? Yeah. Um, I think society, there should be more, uh, the way society is right now is everything's like very short attention span and very final. Yeah. It is this or it is that. And then that's true for the rest of time. Um, where in reality, it's like, this might have been the case at this specific moment in time with these circumstances, this person feeling one way on that day because of this other thing, this other person feeling this other way. on, And then like that situation changes. So the people change the next day, the next week, the next year. But you look at you look back at something someone said five years ago and you're like, oh, well, he's a terrible person because of this or, oh, I love him because of this one thing when like it's a tiny snapshot yeah. of a brief moment that doesn't describe the whole of the situation, the person, the intent, the anything. But society, I think, is like so short with forming an opinion. Well, especially with athletes, you yeah. only get to see a certain amounts of them. Yeah. Like, um, and when they go into a lot of long form conversations, a lot of times they, um, there's someone, you know, there's a lot of fear about, you know, saying certain, they don't want to say too, you know, they don't want to get in trouble. You only see certain, uh, like, uh, snapshots of them on the sideline. You see a guy get upset two times. Yeah. Well, you have no idea what's happened or what's going on, but suddenly you're like, oh, that guy's the problem. Dude, I saw the best example of that. Um, it's NBA game. I think it was Durant. It might have been someone else, but um, I'm just going to say it was Durant because that's, what that's what's in my head. But he's doing an interview right on the court, right after the game, right? And the reporter asks him a question. He's got a microphone in his face. Oh, yeah, you know, the team this and that and the other, whatever. And he's got this, like, polished, like, you can tell, like, it's a 
he's been trained like how to talk to the media, like say yeah. words without saying anything at all. Like <laughs> yeah, not yeah, a whole don't lot say of anything at all, basically, right? but say something. So in the middle of one of his answers, one of his teammates, or I think someone from the other team comes up to like, hey, good game. And he steps away from the microphone for like three seconds and completely changes. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, what's up, brother? Hey, he's great. Like going into this whole thing with someone that he's comfortable with in a different way. Yeah. And he comes back to the interview right back <laughs> into like the media mode. And I'm like, if that's not the perfect example of how like what you see is not always what is true. Right. Um, I don't know what is. Yeah, there's a certain protecting of the realm in a lot of ways, you know, which part of it makes sense too, especially I think with baseball because baseball has this um, – I have to pee so bad, man. <laughs> is that okay? Sure. Do you have to pee Go or are you it. okay? I'm good. Wow, that's amazing when people don't have to pee to me. Um <laughs> What um, so everything was going so your so your career was going great yeah, and then you had this you had the instance that happened with the uh, allegations right yeah. is that the best way to say it how do people yeah I mean there's allegations against me stuff I didn't do but that gets out in social media the media writes about it and uh, to be fair like they were very serious allegations like what was alleged was very you know should be investigated and should be taken very seriously um just the, you know the way the system works it's like those get those allegations get made there's an open investigation you know i'm advised not to say anything so it's only it's a very one-sided discussion for a long period of time right and then that influences public perception over it and then when the facts start coming out when the truth starts coming out it's a much smaller uh there's there's a lot less buzz around it, and so the public perception's already been influenced in a certain way. It must have been um, harrowing to go through. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked. Um, it still sucks. Um, but uh, yeah. um, so, and it doesn't even sound like it was that. Cr it sounds like there was just you message with a woman online. You guys both agree to spend time together. You spend time together. Um, it's later revealed that she had the idea that she wanted to, she had a plan or a strategy to, um, did it say like to take from you? I'm trying to think what the strategy was. There's, there's, yeah, texts about, you know, taking my money, um, Gosh, getting man. in yeah stuff like that yeah next victim next star victim, picture yeah. for the dodgers yeah. um and when, what's so crazy is trevor is i was like three months ago i'm looking at some stuff online mm -hmm. and am i okay talking with you about this yeah do you feel okay for sure all right um i'm looking at some stuff online i see pictures of the girl and i'm like how do i know this girl i had she had connected with me over social media mm. at some point um and we met up she came to a comedy show and then she came afterwards, we went to my hotel, we just sat in the lobby and chatted. Yeah. And uh, she like knew some friends, we had some mutual friends and stuff, And um, but we just sat there and chatted and then I got her an Uber home. Yeah. Um, thank goodness, I guess, cause you know, but but that, it just blew, I'm like looking at her, I'm like, how do I, but even that to me, cause I know she, I felt like she wanted to stay over and spend time, mm. you know? It just blew my mind, I'm like, is this, is this like a thing, like, was this person like doing this kind of stuff regularly or was it a just happenstance that, you know, 
Anyway, it yeah, just I, that and that got me even more into your world, kind of. Yeah. And uh, and I really started to look back at what had gone on, and and man, it was just. I think a lot of people felt like it was just a really raw deal. Yeah. I mean, I certainly feel that way. Um, I can't change it, obviously, at this point. Like, it, it is what it is. Like, the situation happened. Um, I've had to... I, I've had to do, like, two like two main things. One, I've had to, like, self-reflect. Okay, how did I get into this situation where like something like this is even possible yeah and then two i've had to look towards the future and try to have something that i'm moving towards or something that i'm trying to accomplish because if i don't i would just get mired in this really negative stuff um and that's you know it's not good for mental health it's not good for productivity or the people that i'm around or you know wow stuff like that so i've done a lot of reflecting and like looking at mistakes that I made and um, in, in a lot of that, like there's a lot of components to this whole situation. Like number one, like my interactions with uh, females like in general, like I paid very little attention to my personal life because I was so focused on baseball. And then when I started my businesses, it was baseball and business and I yeah. just didn't pay attention to anything else. So I would just, like I didn't think any of it. Someone would hit me up on Instagram, and I'm like, oh yeah, I yeah, let's go on a date. Or, yeah, you can do whatever. I I didn't think anything of it. And I think it at the time it was like, well, I I treat people well, and I'm respectful, and like I don't, I'm not doing anything improper, and so like that's fine. I'm yeah, that's protected. a way to live. I'm living yeah. the way you're supposed to be living. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it never even crossed my mind that something like this could happen. Um, but, you know, I was associating with people that were not, that didn't see, the, yeah, people were like hitting me up on Instagram because they knew me somehow, but I didn't know them. Right. I, you know, I would just meet up with them. I knew very little about them. Um, that was dangerous in my position. Part of like been what there. we discussed about the software update, like I see myself as just this guy that's like even with everybody else. It's just, know. you know, and then I get into a position in life where that's not the case and I become a target. And I just didn't see like the signs of being a target or whatever. And so I didn't update my software early enough. And it's a bummer. Yeah. It's a um, bummer because you also, you want to be able to meet people on even terms. That's the toughest yeah. thing about sometimes having some popularity, I think. And something that's sometimes kind of like, I don't want to say sad because nobody's like, hey, look, man, you get to have a lot of neat, do a lot of neat yeah, things. Yeah. I don't ever want to come off like a victim. Like it was like I was treated. No, I don't think it this sounds way like or that. whatever. It's just like, there are realities to the certain situations and right. definitely very, very positive, like being a professional athlete and like having that opportunity, like there's so many positives to it. Um, I don't ever want to come off like I'm complaining, Yeah, but there are certain realities that go along with it that you have to be cognizant of. And um, yeah, I just, I didn't update quick enough to be cognizant of them before it happened. I've updated now. Yeah. Like I've changed a lot of things, how I do things in my personal life. Like I'm very careful of who I meet and how I meet them. Um, you know, I'm not having the same type of just casual sexual relationships. I'm not agreeing to do the same types of like sexual things. Um, I'm not like dating a bunch of people. I've like really locked down my personal life and gone back to the, to the square one. Like what do I care about in a personal relationship? Okay. I want someone that's 
A, B, C, D, whatever. Yeah. Okay, let me go try to find those things actively instead of just being okay with anybody that's approaching me just to have someone around in those blank moments yeah. where like, oh, I have two hours at night and I have nothing to do. So like, I'll just have someone. I'll meet up know, with I'm, somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, dude, it's saying, look, I can relate. I'm not trying to take your conversation here, but just young men can relate to that. Yeah. Just the same type of thing. It's like, and even young women, it's like, it just becomes a habitual thing. Yeah. You know, people think there's, you know, but it's like, yeah, sometimes the reason why maybe I haven't landed exactly where I would like to be, um, it's, yeah, it's like, have I, if, well, I just, if I just kind of take whatever, sh like shooting star passes through the sky, yeah, as opposed to going out and looking for like yeah. somebody that's the real fucking sunshine, you know, it's mm -hmm. like. And not you, Mike Clevenger, but uh, <laughs> like a preferably yeah. a female. Yeah. But um. <laughs> but yeah, I feel you, man. It's like cause I can all day because people just kind of come and go all the time. Yeah. And that's fine. You can do that. But if you really want to go out and you and like emulate what you want into the world, and then hopefully get that back. You know? Yeah. I think long term wise, like it's just a much more healthy uh, situation for me personally. Mm -hmm. Um to be surrounded by people that are interested in the same things that push me in a positive way to get better, to learn more, yeah. to achieve more or whatever that support me in moments. That's one of the biggest things is like getting through the last couple of years. I and mean, even today, like it's still a struggle today with, you know, there's still ongoing like ramifications of everything. Um, but just having the support group around you that like, you know, these people care about you and not, the attributes that you know, like not the bank account or the fame or the notoriety or whatever, the lifestyle, like having that support group, you know, weeding out some of the people that were around that like didn't feel that way right. and really locking down the people that you vibe with and that like, you know, have your back and are going to give you some of those free spaces to mess up. And like, as long as you learn and continue getting better, they're not just like, gone when one bad thing happens right that's been so important um and i'm so thankful for those people my family like my business partners my agent rachel like th there's a lot of other people friends i can't name everybody of course but yeah those people the support group that are there it's so important yeah like when shit hit the fan right was it like did it kind of un was it totally a shock to you it was it was pretty bad yeah um i went from focusing on my next start to then like this article came out and then I'm having all these conversations and then I'm not allowed at the field and I'm still going to pitch in two days, but then I'm not going to pitch in two oh. days. And then I can't take the team flight back because uh, I'm not allowed to be with the team right now. And then I can't take a commercial flight back home because I'm my name's everywhere. And it's such a big story that like, it's going to be a disaster at you know taking commercial flight to renting a car and driving from DC like back across the United States in the middle of season not knowing when I'm going to rejoin the like it was a who drove with you um I drove with my agent Rachel oh that's sweet um, yeah she was in DC and then we were there for two or three days and then drove back across country um fuck yeah it was it was uh it happened pretty quick and then obviously like you have the legal stuff that plays out. You have, you know, investigation and, um, you know, I was never, never arrested for anything. I was never charged with anything. Yeah, there but was that, never any. 
that drug out for uh, uh, drug out is the wrong word because like the allegations are serious and they should have you know they looked into them thoroughly and I respect the hell out of the police for doing that like I think all allegations like this should be looked into with that amount of thorough uh, thoroughness yeah but it it lasted for nine months before the decision was made that there was going to be no no charges or whatever the whole time I was like not able to be with a team oh. there was no resolution there's no I didn't know when any of those decisions were going to come out so I'm just in this holding pattern and then there was MLB suspended me and then there was you know we um appealed the suspension mm -hmm. and then that took another I don't even remember how long that took another period of time um things move slowly in the you know as they go through courts and as they go through uh arbitrations and stuff like that so and who was there who was like really there for you while you like yeah um parents have been parents have been great um uh rachel i've mentioned um she was there my business partner tosh uh, a lot of my uh employees that i consider close friends kevin eric um you know we've hired more people along the way as well that have been like there um all the time um yeah, friends. I mean, there's people that I just know that for, you know, since high school or whatever that like would check in with me. Coaches, um, I don't want to name names because yeah, I don't no. you know whatever, but a lot of coaches and in, in that I've known through baseball, a lot of players, teammates. So you had some good support. Yeah. Um and I think it's because people that I've played with, people that I've been in the clubhouse with, people that I've known personally looked at their experience with who I am and what they know of me and like what's being said. And they just like, Nope, that <laughs> there's no way Doesn't that there's no way that happened. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, publicly it's been seen as like, I'm this, you know, there's reports that I, you know, Dodgers organization doesn't want me around and teammates don't this and I'm not welcome here and all that stuff. But like, what's been seen publicly and my experience of what's been going on kind of behind the scenes and, and my interactions with people and stuff like that have been completely different. Wow. Um, so it's actually been, it's been good. Like knowing that, you know, the, the people that I know that have been around me have that, uh, amount of, I guess, trust or that have had a good experience with me and yeah. like believe. Yeah. So Mookie Betts yeah. said some nice things. There was an, uh, that, yeah. um, or that that's what they they put out in the articles. You just don't know with a lot of these articles, man. Yeah. And the lawyers too. That's the shadiest part. Sometimes is yeah. like, um, it seemed like in your instance, the lawyers uh, use the media to make you look worse. Yeah, that's crazy. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's uh, fucking like. So there's this why wouldn't you just do what the rule like? It just, man, that fucking made me, it just was sick. It was I, sickening. I don't know enough about the legal system to warrant having an opinion. So I don't want this to come off as like I am advocating for one thing or another. But it seems like there's this loophole, having been through it, where like you can make a domestic violence uh, restraining order request. You can file for for one of those. And you can write a whole bunch of stuff. And that's fine because you have to be able to write what happened and make your claim. And then that is filed. That becomes a public document. 
you don't have to attach your name to it, but you can attach the other person's name to it. Wow. And then it takes time for that to go through, to get scheduled, to get heard, to get decided upon. But the damage in today's society has already been done as soon as that becomes public. That like, you know, we we went to the domestic violence restraining order court, which is like the lowest standard of proof that you have to, to in order to get that, to, to win a, a domestic violence restraining order, like it's the lowest standard of proof. We went to that and won. Like there was no restraining order granted. But in the month or I think it was actually like a month, I think it was like six weeks in between when the initial filing and articles came out and when that happened, that's six weeks of one side of the story being out there and you like the anything. damage is done. They I can't tell say you not anything. to say yeah. anything. Yeah, and I've had great legal representation and they've advised me well along the way and the advice is don't say anything. And it kills me because like I want to defend myself. I yeah. want to get the truth out there. And then it's like, okay, well, what is the, what's the reparation for the damage that's been done here? And it doesn't seem like there's any sort of, yeah, yeah. And Fuck. maybe there's, maybe there's some sort of update that can be made to the, to that process. Like I also see the other side of it where, you know, for people that are in those situations that need a place to be able to go and like get help and to get out of a bad situation and to protect themselves. Like we never want to discourage that from happening either. No. So I don't know what the solution is here, right. but just like having talked to people in professional sports and like a lot of people have reached out and like, Hey man, I went through something similar. This is what they did to me, or this is what happened in my case, or this was, it was seemingly was helpful or whatever. Like this is a thing that happens a lot. Again, from I don't I just know what happened with me. Of just course, from what this I've been told, case. right? This is your but instance, yeah. It's um, you know, the the general way is like you make these allegations and then tell the person you're going to file this thing, and in order and they you know the, the implication is it's going to be very bad for you, and so then money exchanges hands. And I've talked to multiple people where that's been the case. Right. So it's just like uh, people can do that and threat and make, and then you have to pay to get rid of it yeah 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 i you know i don't know how they have data and it's tough that they don't have to attach their name to it because then there's no real repercussions for them you know yeah um i'm sorry you had to go through that man yeah you know i know that doesn't help or anything but i think a lot of people probably feel that way we all have our struggles and i don't like i'm very fortunate to be in the position i am even with all this stuff like i'm not blind to that and so again i don't want to i never want to come off as like oh woe is me and like i was victim I don't here think or anything you sound like, like that. that i mean i believe if, that you were a victim there and i'll just say that for myself but um yeah. i don't think you sound like that at all yeah um, um it was a tough situation we all have tough situations in life and like hopefully something that i say about how i got through it or how i am trying to like learn from past mistakes and be better is helpful to the next person yeah. that, that goes through it. So it makes their time a little bit easier than my time was. Well, that's, um, that, it's thoughtful but, of you. It's kind of a powerful to get to that place. I'm sure it's been an interesting journey, you know, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's been interesting. I think in like 10 years when I look back on it, I'll be, um, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of things in my life that have happened because of changes that I made during this time period that I'll be very happy with. Yeah. Um, it's just very hard to like see off into the future when you're so in it. Mm-hmm. And when you feel like, you know, you're, everything you knew about your world is completely like 
gone. Like you're basically just torn down to zero. Like, where do I go from here? What am I doing? Um, but I, as far as like updating the software and stuff, I think I'll be happy in, in five or 10 years that like changes that I've made because of this experience, um, have helped me like grow as a person. And grow, wow. You know? Fuck dude. You fucking, in, it's a, it is a high road attitude, um, oh. to hear from for, you. For me, like I can't, I can't go any other road yeah. because yeah, it'll just, it's poisonous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's next then? What's next? How do we get to see you? Cause I want to see you go for that second side. Young yeah. Bro. I'm going to be yeah, really, really honest with you. Yeah. I'd love to. I mean, that's the goal. Like I'd like to play, uh, in MLB, um, you know, looking for, looking for a contract and, um, yeah, I mean, I still, I've, I've been training the whole time. Like we talked earlier about how baseball is like my backdrop. Like when things go bad, I go back to this. And this has been one of the most difficult things is like when baseball is taken away, like what do I fall back on? So I just fell back on training. So I'm in, you know, I, I've improved yeah. like since last people last saw me. Like I, I'm throwing harder. I've developed new pitches. My command's better. I'm still one of the best pitchers in the world. Um, I'd love to prove that. Obviously, I realize there's a lot of, uh, you know, other considerations besides just talent um, at this point. So I'm hopeful that I get a job and I get an opportunity to go out and, and prove that I'm good and I have a lot to offer. I think I got a lot to offer the baseball community as a whole with yeah. content, entertainment, and, and all that. I have a lot to offer a team. Like one of the things I'm really passionate about is helping young baseball players have their journey be easier than mine. So we actually train, I think we got like 20 guys that we train for free at my facility in, in Arizona in the off season, pro guys that come in. Uh, I've been working with all the pitchers there and developing pitches and feel and mindset and all that stuff. I love that stuff. So I have a lot to offer from that perspective, I think, to a team and a clubhouse that I'm with. Um, obviously, like performance, like you got to win games. I know I can do that. That's not even a question yeah. in my mind. So what was like the financial, because you were making good money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I signed. Um, so I won the Cy Young twenty twenty, mm -hmm. and then and that was your contract year. I was a free agent after that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bro, yeah. That is a dream. Very fortunate. And look, I love it when dudes get paid. That's what George Kittle told me. He goes, "Where everybody's happy when somebody gets paid, yeah. man." Yeah, for sure. So you so had I, three years, one hundred and two million. Yeah. So the, it was a kind of a unique structure. The mm -hmm. plan. I had opt outs after every year. The plan was always to. The first play the first two years mm -hmm. and then opt out and be a free agent after the third. And I would have been two years for 85 million the way the contract worked out. So an average value of 42 and a half million a year. Wow. Um, it, which was the highest annual average value at that time for any baseball player. I think Shohei just crushed it. No way. So like, you were yeah. like the top of the heat. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And did they still have to pay you a certain amount of that? Yeah. Um, I got some of it. I also lost some of it in the, you know, I think, um, I don't remember exactly what the numbers shook out to be, but I lost a significant amount of it with the suspension and stuff like that. So, and was it um, expensive, like the attorney fees and all that? Yeah, man, <laughs> lawyers are uh, very much needed, like very specialized, and like you know, you need you need them, but um, very expensive. Yeah, so it's been um, obviously baseball has given me a lot financially. Um, I'm doing fine. I don't want to come off like I'm. You know, not I don't fine, think you sound like but that. Uh, it's been a heavy, a heavy hit for sure. 
Um, and how do your agents like? Do you try to go back at the same rate? Like, how does that even work? Is that fair to ask you uh, about? Is yeah, that, to ask you about. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, I don't like. I just want to play. Like that's that's where I'm at. Um, like I'd pl- I'll play for league minimum and like earn my money based on incentives. Like I I don't care whatever Ooh. whatever the structure for the team is like that makes them most comfortable like. I, I, it's fine with me. You heard I the just, man. I just want to go play. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, incentive it, based, right? Yeah, you want to. You, I'll like, show you if. Yeah, if you sign me yeah. and like something's not going right and you don't like the reaction or you don't whatever, like you can cut me and then you don't have to bear the, um, you know, the brunt of signing this. Let's say it's a ten million dollar contract and you know something's not going right and you still have to pay the ten million. I, I don't, I don't need that. Like I just want to. I want a job. I want to go play, and I, let me just prove that I'm still one of the best pitchers. Let me prove that I have a lot to offer the organization. Yeah. And then I'll get paid in incentives. I'll earn based on what I perform. I'm happy with that. Um, yeah. I've never – like, <clears throat> I've always wanted to be that way too. Like, it's I've, I've only wanted to sign one-year contracts mm-hmm. because I never want to be the guy that signs a long-term deal and then is like, okay, well, I'm getting paid regardless, so – Performance doesn't matter, and I'm just going to, like, play out my years or whatever. Yeah, I'm just like, going to get massages or whatever, paint my nails or whatever. Yeah. Like, shout out to the guys that paint their nails. No problem with it. But like, Yeah, no judgment. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, like, I, I'm i an intense competitor, and I just want to go compete. Right. And, like, I would like to be compensated fairly for what I produce. So if I produce nothing, I don't feel like I should be compensated anything. If I'm the best pitcher in the league, I feel like I should be compensated for being the yeah. best pitcher in the league. And the easiest way to do that is just like minimum risk for the team. I'll play for the minimum. And then if I pitch really well, then have incentives that reward me for pitching really well. And the value that I give to the team is equally shared and both sides feel like they won. Um, Wow. I'm, I'm happy to have any sort of like... Like, yeah, I want to work together with the team. I want to be a positive in the community, in the clubhouse, on the field, like overall for the game of baseball. Um, I know that I can be that. I have no questions about it, which is why I have no problem taking like a incentive based contract, because I know that I can go out there and deliver. Um, I know the type of person that I am. I know the type of results that I'm going to be able to produce. And I'm willing to bet on myself in that way. Amen. But at the at the end of the day, like I just. I just want to compete. Like, I just want a chance yeah. to go compete <laughs> and like do the thing that I've spent 30 years becoming one of the best in the world at and the thing that I love to do. Um, Bro, I would, so. if I had a team, if I had even, if we had a spot here, I'd hire you right now. I'd hire you to pitch. What would you, what would you call it? What would, what's your, what would your team name be? Oh, that's a great question, huh? Put you on the spot. Mm, what's a good team name? Probably maybe, uh, the reverb or the lisps. The lisps. <laughs> yeah. One of my best friends growing up, Douglas, had a lisp, and I would always, um, I would impersonate him uh-huh. because I was in. It was like the he had the unique voice. It's yeah. One of the teachers one time thought I was making fun of him. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not. He's like, he God put that remix in him. Like yeah. he's doing something different. Like yeah. I just thought it was so cool, you know. So the <laughs> lisps could be kind of cool because it's like taking something that can be considered kind of like. Maybe not the best, but making it positive. You know, yeah. That could be pretty dope. What else? The Nashville Lisps. 
Ooh. Dude, it's got a ring. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah dude, maybe. <laughs> the list. I'd sign up. Dude, yeah. I'd yeah. sign up. Thrike. I sounded like Howie Mandel saying that joke. Um, <laughs> but dude, well, if we could if we could afford you even a basic minimum, we'd pay you to pitch here, but we don't have a team. We don't have a, <laughs> we don't have a field. But God, dude. That uh, yeah, we just got to see you back out there. There's no valid reason why you shouldn't be back out there. Yeah, I you appreciate know? you saying that. Like I, there's no valid. It yeah. doesn't even make nothing. I, if the universe doesn't make this happen, it doesn't even make any sense anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm hopeful that it will. I'm hopeful that yeah. it will. I, I just, I would like to entertain people. I'd like to, to pitch. I'd like to win. Like, when does spring training start? Uh, usually like second week around Valentine's Day, second week of February. Some teams are like February 12th, some teams are like February 16th. It's like they all kind of report at different dates, but yeah, middle of February. Wow, date with the diamond, huh? Yeah, and that's not Dustin Poirier. I'm talking about uh, baseball diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could see it, bro. Yeah, just looking for an opportunity. Uh, I want to play in MLB. I love Japan. I I have absolutely nothing negative to say about Japan. Um. And at some point, like being separated from the culture that I'm comfortable with and I'm used to, like it was tough and being away from friends and family and stuff like that. Everyone made everyone there made it so much better than it could have been. And I'm very appreciative. But, yeah, I would like I would like to play an MLB. I would like to chase the second Cy Young. I'd like to, you know, try to win a World Series. I finished second, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. You finished, guys came in second place with the Dodgers? Uh, no, with uh, with Cleveland in 2016. And I finished second in college. Uh, we lost to TCU in the national championship. No. Or not TCU, to uh, South Carolina in national championship. So I finished I finished second twice. I'd like to actually win one. Wow. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Dude, it would be so cool. What if you got to play with the Padres? What if you got to play with the Dodgers? Walker Bueller plays over there. Dude, they just went and signed uh, – uh, Shohei and Yamamoto oh, too. Oh, that's right. I talked to I talked to Yamamoto when I was in Japan uh, through an interpreter. Like he's he's a he's a pretty special pitcher. I'm excited to see how he does. Um, would love to would love to play there. Shohei's a pitcher over there too, right? Shohei so is like Shohei Yamamoto, Bueller, yeah, Bueller, uh, Kershaw, Kershaw is a free agent still. I don't know if he's going to sign back. I'm not or sure. If his spine's going to hold it. Yeah. Beast. But I mean, he's he's pieced up in the spine. He's amazing. Yeah. But he's just yeah. He's like uh, you got to massage that. He, yeah. You got to get him into that wagyu shape you know? <laughs> because he's just you know his body's he's turned got, so much. He's got so much, so many innings under his belt. It's yeah. such a high level that like no one's body can take it for forever, right? Um, but I mean, even so, with all the with all the years and the mileage, like he put up a fantastic season last year. It's, yeah. it's incredible seeing what he's, the longevity that he's had and like the consistency of results. It's like, it's crazy. And their um, head coach, who's the Dodgers head coach? Dave Roberts. Yeah, dude, yeah. that guy's cool, man. Yeah. Bring up a picture of Dave Roberts, dude. UCLA. Yeah, bro. Oh, do you play with him at UCLA too? I, I didn't play with him, but he was a, uh, he's a Bruin. Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah. yeah he's cool, man. He's funny. Yeah. They got some funny guys over there. It's a cool organization. It'd be, um, it'd, it would be cool to it'd be cool to play. Yeah, you know, I'd obviously love to to play for him. It'd be cool to play against him too because of the the big like they just went and spent like one point two billion dollars in free agency. Yeah, like okay, this is the juggernaut. Like let's go see if we can take him down, type of thing. So yeah, I'll, I could get up for either one of them. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mainly like I just I just want to I want to play, man. I haven't I I, I miss competing. I'm. Yeah, was it tough to? Was there certain parts of the season that are tougher to watch? Like when it gets in the playoffs, or it's all just kind of tough? It's been tough to watch baseball. Um, 
because like I know I'm good enough to be out there and I I want to be out there and I haven't I haven't had the opportunity to, to be out there um when I was in Japan last year I watched a lot of games because I was like okay I'm I'm here I'm playing I'm like in it I can respect what the other people are doing I can learn from it I'm like figuring things out and that was nice to have some of that back I just haven't I don't think it's been healthy for me to like consume MLB content the last couple of years, um, which is sad because like everything that I've tried to build is like grow that entity and to like help right. build it. And then um, I'm still involved in, in doing that. I'm still, but I'm just pursuing it in a slightly different way where I'm not even like, I'm not really watching games and um, I'd like to get back to a place where like I can like watch and like, be interested in like appreciate the great things that other people in the league are doing. I've just had to like be a little bit protective of my, of my uh, mental health on, on that front. But, yeah. Cause it would just kind of, it would just break your heart probably. Yeah. It was tough, man. Like seeing what other guys are doing and not being able to be happy for them, feeling that resentment of like, well, I should be out there being able to compete too. God. Um, I don't like, I never, I, I, I don't, you should I, have been, there's no reason. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I don't like being negative towards other people and like feeling envious of other people's accomplishments. I like to look at things and be like, wow, this person is really, really good and I can appreciate it. Cause I do it in all other sports. Like I watch Brady play and I'm like, I'm going to watch as much of this as possible because he's going to be gone at some point. And like, you got to appreciate what's, what this is. Yeah. Same with Saban. Yeah, even Saban at Bama. Coach, yeah. yeah. Um and and Mahomes Caitlin right now. Clark, I do that with. <laughs> and Caitlin Clark, I want, me and Caleb Presley want to come to your um game at uh, again. Uh, so if we, we if you can help us, <laughs> sorry, I just had to say that out loud, dude. Love it, Mistle Pete. That's what I call her. <laughs> She's a. I love yeah. watching her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I, yeah, it's. I think because if you if there was no there was no criminal wrongdoing there was nothing wrong yeah there was nothing wrong yeah um you can find things that if you look at yourself yes i could adjust some of these behaviors and stuff yeah. but as a human being behaving in the world to not have done anything wrong yeah and to have it's really just a trial that you've been through it's almost like a fucking scarlet letter you know it was yeah. like a scarlet letter yeah. in a way you know yeah you get um, branded with something and then you carry it I'll carry it the rest of my life. Like I'll always be known for this in some way. And hopefully over time it'll be less and I'll, the positive things that I do will get more attention and be more synonymous with my brand. But like, this will always be there. Um, which is, which is tough. It's tough to, I can't even imagine. I can't think about it too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just such a, it's such an anomaly. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so we got to get you. We got to, we don't have to do anything. I can't do shit, but it'd be awesome. Yeah, dude. This come just like the, I would love to see you get to play with the Padres too, dude. They got Benny Snell over there, don't they? Uh, he's a free agent right now, I think. They got Darvish. Darvish. I love, I love They Darvish. got Musgrove. Yeah. Um, dude, they got a great team. Yeah. And they just got a new head coach on football too. Who was it? They got, uh, who? The Harbaugh. The Chargers yeah. got Harbaugh. Yeah. From Michigan. They got Harwell. He might come out to a game. That would be cool. Go blue. 
I got some. I got some friends that are big Michigan fans. So, really? Yeah. Oh, they were. Was, all those people were so geeked recently. <laughs> they um, had a crazy season. All the adversity they went through as a team. Like, yeah, it's right? crazy when you watch that and you're like, okay, like adversity either tears you apart or makes you so much stronger. Like, yeah. They really came together and they put a they put together a hell of a run. What yeah. do you say? Like, what do you? What are your thoughts? Because you're almost relatable to like. I mean. It's very scary, like any somebody being like in any sort of like a public persona or something or popularity. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah, right. Um, man, God, it's just. But there's probably guys who are imprisoned right now for things that they didn't do. For sure. Like, and that's I try to keep that perspective and like, yeah, right. I'm not trying this to. Is, to me, this has sucked. I'm not trying to belittle what you it, went through. It could be way worse. What? What? Yeah. But you're a person who's able to set goals and set and really get through like some of the tougher parts of life by your own manifestations and game planning, yeah. right? It seems like in your life. How do you, like, what did you do? And because I'm sure there are guys sitting in a cell right now who can, might be able to learn some stuff. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things is talking about it. And that was one of the toughest things that I couldn't talk about it publicly. So having a having someone privately that you could just talk to about it to at least hear yourself vocalize what you're feeling. Like I if I didn't have someone to talk to, I would not have I would not have made it through this. Um that's a huge thing. Like it's scary to talk about things a lot of times and to like be viewed as vulnerable or to be viewed, you know, you don't know how the other person's going to view your perspective, but it's so important. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, first thing, like find someone to talk to, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a friend, a family member, you know, a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have family members around to talk to, or they don't have those relationships, but find someone that you can talk to. Um, and be honest with. Yeah. Like be able to just tell it how you're feeling it. Yeah. Be like, honest about you, how you're feeling. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing I'd say. And then having something, some goal, like humans need a purpose. Like we don't do well when we're like just existing nope. for, and we don't have anything to do. And if you can find some purpose that's controllable, that like, you know, for me it was business. Like I had a business. Mm -hmm. So I woke up in the morning. I'm like, okay, how do we get, this thing firing or how do we get uh make a better video or how do we edit this way or okay i gotta figure out the you know what hire do we need to make so there was something that i was in control of that i was actively doing mm -hmm. that i could distract myself in a way from the negative stuff and like focus on something that was like aspirational like okay in the future when all this stuff is done because it's going to be done at some point right maybe a, a day it might be a year it might be 10 years it's not going to last forever so at some point in the future when it's done, what is it that I have that I've been building that I can like aspire? What position do I want to be when this is done? Like, and can I make progress towards that? Mm. Like, that's how I is like talking about it and having some sort of aspirational goal that I was chasing. Um, but yeah, like the support group is, is so big, man. Yeah. Like just being able to vocalize your feelings is important. Yeah.
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm in a lot of support groups, dude. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but some of those moments are the best moments of my life, you know? Yeah. Dealing with addiction and learning about recovery and stuff, um, it's given me some of the greatest gifts of my life, which are great conversations with people and learning how to be around people and and feel and, have, and, and stuff like that. So I think the humans learn by failing first and then adjusting behavior and then growing. And it's a sense of pride to be able to feel like you've gotten better at something or you're a, in a better place or a better person because of something. But the moments where you're failing, you're in your, when you're in that, like those are tough. But being able to have that comeback is so important because that's where you feel that sense of accomplishment or that sense of purpose or that, you know, whatever it is, you get something from that. If you never fail at anything, like life's just like, there, there's no richness to it. Yeah. You know? Um, so I can definitely, I can understand how some of those moments, like you fail at something, you end up in a bad place and you find a way to like pull yourself back up and it like feels a sense of pride. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's interesting how much you work with your own integrity and your own like setting goals for yourself. And it must be, it seems like you have a, probably a knowledge of yourself on a unique level that, that some people don't get to have, man. And I think that's. I think being an introvert, like I don't, I don't do well in the social situations like we talked about. So I spend a lot of time thinking and a lot of it's about external stuff, but yeah. I try to think internally too and um, try to figure out why a lot of time. Like, okay, I did this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, why did I do that? What prompted me to react this way emotionally to this situation or what prompted me to go want to do Like, why do I like cars or what? what is it, right? Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out that puzzle because I'm a puzzle. Yeah, like, you're I'm the puzzle and you're the guy to... doing the puzzle. That's yeah. what's kind of cool once you realize that. Yeah. Because it can make your life kind of richer in a way. Yeah. When you start to like, not only am I me, but I'm also, um, I can look at me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a challenge because like yeah. you want to look at yourself like very surface level and be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Like I look good today. I'm in good shape. Like, oh, things are good. Yeah. But when you start like digging down, like maybe I'm not good in this area. Like how could it be better? Or like I don't know if I like this part about me. Is it bad? Is it good? I don't know. Like how do I actually feel about this? Maybe I want to like try to do this a little bit better. Like those are those are conversations I have with myself all the time. Like I'm fucking interesting dude, bro. You're a strange dude. Bro. Yeah, I'm strange. I dig it though. <laughs> I fucking dig it, man. I'm, it's I'm, a vibe. I'm, I'm aware that I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a little different. And I mean yeah. that lovingly, bro. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate I it. I really mean that respectfully. We gotta order us a Trevor Bauer um bobblehead, dude. We gotta get one in here on the shelf, man. We wanna dude, uh, I got I got some you do? somewhere, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna make sure to hit up your um, All right, yeah. Rachel and make sure she sends us over one. Yeah. Even if she has to drive it across country to get it here. Yeah. We want it over here. Yeah. Um, we just want to, yeah, we want to, yeah, man, we just, yeah. I got some, uh, I think I have a couple unreleased yeah. bobbleheads that, uh, so I, I was supposed to have a bobblehead day with the Dodgers. Um, and so they had sent me some samples as we were like designing it. And then I got put on administrative leave before it happened. And so they never ended up like releasing the bobbleheads. Wow. But they had ordered like some stock cause they were going to do an in, an in stadium giveaway. So I got my hands on a couple of those that had never actually been released, which, uh, I think will be a cool, cool collector item. So if you happen to have one you want to part with or even let us host in here for a while, yeah, 
we're also willing to get one that has a blank jersey on. And when you get ah, your new okay. deal, All right. we're happy to uh, to get um, to put that one in too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me let me see what I got. I got I got something for you guys. I just gotta. I haven't looked at the inventory in a, in a couple of years, but I got something. That'd be sweet, man. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. I wonder. Yeah, dude. There's so many teams. How many teams are there? You could play for so many teams. Yeah, we got 30, 30 teams out there. Um, bro, some of them are bad, dude. They need you. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, some of these teams are dang bad. Yeah. Or they they could be doing. They could. You could maybe help. Yeah, I think I could. I mean, I don't think there's a team out there that I wouldn't help in some Amen. way, right? Um, but I also, you know, seeing the other side of things, like there's a lot of. Uh, you know, potential uh, distractions, PR concerns. Um, I don't think they're, I don't think they would be as much as people think they would be. I yeah. think it'd be like a couple days story and then it'd be gone personally. I, I could be wrong, but. Um, you think there'd be some publications out there that would feel like, hey, the best, the least, a way that we could be supportive after, you know, maybe leading the charge with not being as supportive, it's kind of trying to even the score, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. That's my thoughts. Yeah. You I know? mean, it'd be nice, of course, but um, I'm not going to. It's uh, out of your control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it happens, it happens. Like Mookie coming out and saying some stuff publicly was like a, I would never ask him to do that. He but just it did was that. So like, it meant a lot to me. Wow. You know, Mookie's my guy. I love that guy. Yeah, dude. He um, built a house in Nashville. Yeah. That's what I heard I anyway. I somebody somebody might have lied. But, uh, um, I texted him the other day. He's like, I'm like, what have you been up to, Mook? He's like, ah, oh, just out here bowling, man. <laughs> he likes to bowl? I was like, yeah, he dude, he's a he like bowls 300s. He no like bowls way. professionally oh in the off season. Some people get all the luck, dude. Yeah, have you seen like he's he like he can dunk. He's like good basketball player, great baseball player, bowler. I'm like, I think he golfs like Oh my god. Dude, he's just like he's one of those guys that's just like you put him in anything athletic and he's just gonna be one of the best guys. Oh, look yeah. at that. Wow, look at him. Look at him. <laughs> he's got the walk, he's got the yeah, slide. Yeah, he really does. Go you back can, and look at that walk. Yeah, dude. let's look at Mookie Bassman on this strut. Look at, look look at, at that. this, bro. He, you see that little fist pump before yeah. before the like it's that's very, that that's that at, curry. Like he knows when he let it go that that's the yeah, one. It's just built into <laughs> him. It's built into him. Yeah, dude. He's got it's a little bit of Tiger Woods esque too. Dude, almost that, kind that, of the fist pump right there. You could probably overlay those and be. That's yeah. wild. Did you guys ever like have some games like uh, is Mookie a card player? Would you guys do stuff like? Uh, dude, we had this debate one day. Mm -hmm. If you took the Dodgers position players and they had to pitch. And the Dodgers pitchers, and they had to hit. Who would win? This should be a spring training thing. Dude, I, it should be. Like, You're we always were, thinking about this kind of dude, stuff. I was, I was like poking at him a little bit. I'm like, dude, we would dominate you guys for sure. You throw like 72. He's like, well, you guys wouldn't be able to play defense if we got one hit. And we had this like 45 minute discussion in the clubhouse. It was just like back and forth. like half the clubhouse was involved in it. It was like a big argument. It was great. I, I hope at some point we get to we get to test that out because it'd be a. It'd be fantastic content. Dude, you're right. Yeah. It's a great idea, man. Uh, I like the way you think, man. I really do. And I, I just, I'm grateful to get to spend time with you today, man. And um, and we wish you the best of luck, man. We're going to get that bobble ahead in here and uh, and we'll be we'll be cheering you on, bro. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Yeah, that second Cy Young, baby. That's right. Get in there. Trevor Bauer, guys. Thank you, Trevor. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be Cornerstone. Oh, but when I reach that ground, I'll share this piece of 